Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Murderboard Podcast. I'm your host, Walter, and tonight I am joined with Shelton. Hello. Xander. Hello. And we have two new special guests here. You know I love new voices, and this is uh, really exciting. Number one, we have my cousin, Aramis. Hello, hello. And we have Cannon. Hey, glad to be here. Great to have you guys. Welcome to the podcast. I hope you guys have a good time. For people listening out there, tonight's episode, we are talking about more X-Men. Specifically, we're talking about X2, X-Men United. So if you haven't seen this movie, this is your spoiler warning. And if you have, I hope you enjoy our little show here. But yes, more new people. I love having new people on the podcast because it gives me some time to ask the same questions I always ask. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Who doesn't love repeated questions? Anyway. Okay, so context-wise, people out there listening, Aramis is my younger cousin, about a year younger. Um, if you've listened to the recent anime series we did, I mentioned that my first kind of introduction into anime and manga was through Aramis when I first moved to Tennessee. I lived with him for a while, and from as far as I can remember, Aramis was the one that was always really into Toonami and Naruto, and he would read manga And that kind of led into comic books. Now, for people who have listened to the podcast beforehand, you know that me and Corey have that comic book pass. But an extension of that would go towards Aramis as well. Aramis, welcome to the podcast, first of all. It's been a long time coming because I know you've been listening and I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Thanks for having me. Gotcha. What is your relationship with just movies in general, but also go into the whole, you know, manga, comic books. Where do you stand on that? What's your whole entire deal? So uh, dealing with movies, you know, at first I was more like, you know, I was more like television shows, TV shows. Like you said, like Tsunami growing up. And then if I catch the movie, I would watch it. And then um, I would just go from there. Or maybe, for example, like Spider-Man or something. I would read the comics more than watch the movies. But, uh... You know, after, you know, growing older and stuff, I, I just found myself watching more movies and, you know, and this, just seeing the references they make back to the comics or the mangas you were speaking of, it's kind of cool to see. All great things. We'll get into more of it later on. But shifting over to Canon here. Canon. Now, Canon is a friend of a friend. He's our friend by extension now. He's in the podcast family. But people at the podcast who have listened from the past year know that Gavin was on a lot. And so Gavin, over our break, messaged me and said, hey, I got a guy who would really like to be on. I'm like, cool. We follow each other on Instagram and we talked for a while. Turns out this guy has a lot of taste that aligns with mine. And so anything that appeals with me, you know, I'm a thumbs up. <laughs> but Cannon, welcome to the podcast, dude. Oh, thank you. Uh, like I said, I appreciate you having me on and for, for being here tonight. It's a long time coming. Absolutely. So what is your relationship with movies and stuff like that and do you also have a relationship to comic books or manga or anime at all uh so just on movies i think i could talk long enough um i grew up just loving movies being like a movie fanatic i think that was from my dad more than anything i think the first movie that really changed my life though was uh, actually Django unchained um it was the first one that i was like quoting so much after and wanted to know you know who actually wrote that because i realized you know actors don't improvise everything so <laughs> that got me into uh tarantino movies did a whole binge watch of that and then just fell more and more into love with just film in general um 
and I went to film school in Boston, uh, Emerson College after high school, and then uh, dropped out to go work on set for about two years down in Atlanta. But uh, throughout, like, pretty much since the age of 14, uh, me and some friends have off and on done a uh, movie review site slash podcast slash YouTube channel. So uh, in a lot of different ways, I guess, in love with uh, just film and television and entertainment. But uh, as far as other stuff, uh, manga, I think you said, and just anime. I've never read a manga, but I have watched about handful of anime started with a uh, full metal alchemist and uh one punch man um also a big fan right now of uh, jujitsu kaisen watching demon slayer all caught up on that so pretty much just the highlights of anime is all i've been into yes but, yes full metal that is my favorite one of all time and i'm also i'm in the i'm at the end of season one of jujitsu so i'm kind of lining it up for when season two premieres but yeah, it's great, great. Demon Slayer, I'm about, like, two episodes behind, but that's because I'm not that big of a subs guy, so I'm just like, well, I'll catch up to it eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. I'm not that big of one either, but, uh, uh yeah, I've just been powering through. Just I, I enjoy the animation of that so much, and it's hard for me to, to wait to see that, I guess, especially coming off the Entertainment District arc. Uh, that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. That arc was so good. The last three episodes of that is probably the, the best of the best that I've watched so far with anime. Wore me and my mental state out completely. I had to, like, take a couple of days after finishing it. I was like, I just need to, like, touch grass and just be with myself. <laughs> yeah, I didn't grow up with, like, Dragon Ball Z and, like, Naruto like a bunch of my friends did. I didn't grow up watching anime. So that was my first experience of, like, multiple episodes being, like, one big long fight uh and now i've known that's a trope of anime so oh wow that is yeah a, that's a very unique uh point of view there because like i said way back when we did akira like my introduction was with aramis we would he would just pop like i don't really remember the context we were young but he would just pop on toonami and i'm like oh those guys are just screaming for like four episodes and that's they were just <laughs> marathon those episodes and i'm yeah. like okay cool this is something i know I can't remember. I was a huge Dragon Ball person, and I know my brother is Christian. He's a huge Dragon Ball person. Aramis, where were you? you were more into Naruto, right? Like you were Naruto was your number one, right? It's kind of hard because it's like I can go back and forth with those at the time because like those are like the OG shows. But I guess so. Yeah, I say Naruto. Okay, and then again, looping things back around, Jingo Unchained is great. We did that uh, episode a while ago. Oh um, God, so I would have killed to be on that. Man, one of the best conversations we've ever had on this show. I, I will say that. But there's a lot of Tarantino out there. Are you are specifically a Tarantino fan or was it just that movie? So that movie, I just remember coming out of that and wanting to tell everybody about it. And actually, the story goes that, that within a 24-hour time frame, I watched uh, six movies and five of them were in theater. It was uh, around Christmas time. And so I just like filled up my head so much with movies that day from like Lincoln and Silver Linings Playbook and uh, the I think it was the third Hobbit. I watched Braveheart for the first time the night before and then watched <laughs> Django as the last movie on that list. I'm so sorry um, about the third Hobbit. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a big fan. Legolas climbing those steps in midair will always stay in my nightmares. Honestly. Lord of the Rings is so much better. The, the Hobbit was a travesty. I like the, the second one probably the most out of that. I still think they should have just done two movies instead of splitting it up into a trilogy. I think that was a, a sellout move myself. But There's um, a guy that did a one cut 
like he cut everything down to one movie and i want to see that yeah i would love to watch that i mean i definitely think it could have been one movie even but um yeah so Django being the last one and there were just so many cool quotes like the dialogue stood out the most to me out of everything and uh so then i was like oh this tarantino guy i actually think there's some dvds on the shelf of like kill bill so i watched those and then watched pulp fiction and reservoir dogs i watched his whole filmography um within a couple days and so uh i'd say he was like i guess my entryway into like the behind the scenes and writers directors all that stuff getting into actual filmmakers and following them instead of just watching random movies um with my dad or friends or whatever so uh yeah always been a big fan of westerns though so i think that's another reason Django really resonated with me um but uh yeah so started with tarantino became, i'm still a tarantino fanatic to this day i worship at the altar of, of tarantino um but uh there's a lot of filmmakers that i'm big of big fans of yes yes y'all see why i like this guy right like this guy it's top tier because i did you know the same Tarant- thing oh sorry <laughs> i was gonna say do you know that tarantino was from tennessee he was born in tennessee i did know that yes yeah, born in Knoxville. And he actually, he he's quoted by saying that uh, he fell in love with movies, truly, when he was in Tennessee staying with his grandparents on a farm. He was going to see films in Knoxville and uh, I guess had a similar experience to me, but probably a lot younger. So I was about 15 when I saw Django with my parents. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, Django, man. The year of 2012, because you mentioned Lincoln, I got flashbacks. I'm like, oh, yeah, that did come out, didn't it? Yeah, that whole uh, Christmas uh, release date that year was just insane, honestly, of all those Crowded. movies. All right. It's great great to get to know you guys a little bit more. So we are going to shift focus into the Marvel Universe, the X-Men, because holy crap. Like I said, when we did the first movie, I think the X-Men are very underrated. They're very underappreciated. The Fox movies have their highs and their lows, and I hate the way they went out. But so with this little mini series here, I'm really just trying to introduce people into my love for the X-Men because they are my favorite comic book, my favorite heroes. Like aside from Spider-Man, aside from The Flash, aside from Batman, X-Men are number one for me. And even like within that list, like I will put X-Men at the top, Spider-Man, Batman, The Flash, like those are my top tiers of heroes and their stories. And so I just wanted to like dedicate that. And what better way to do it than in the smack dead middle of the spring? Um, where do I even begin? Okay, number one, going back to you, Aramis, because like I said, we have that comic book past. I don't know if you remember, but when I came down for the summer and even when I started living in Tennessee, every now and then we would go to the library and we'd just stockpile a bunch of comic books and stuff like that. Do you remember that? Vaguely, not gonna lie. But yeah. No problem. I remember, and I used to read a lot of x-men spider-man and teen titans i don't remember what whatever you had you probably actually had actual books honestly um (laughs) but starting off with you how do you feel about the x-men in general like what's your take on their whole uh franchise or whatever comic book comic books and movies tv shows just overall what's your x-men opinion well i've always loved the x-men from uh the tv shows from the comic books and all the way to the movies, especially the mo- speaking of the movies, it's like they were the Avengers before, you know, the Avengers movies were created. And I know, I think it was like going back to seeing them because I haven't seen them in a while. I just like recently watched them. It's kind of, you can see a lot of references from um, 
what they took from the X-Men movies to like the Avengers movies now. It's kind of cool to see as well. And then dealing with the comics, I always thought it was cool because, you know, just the action and just learn about different uh, mutant powers. I always thought that was cool as well. All right. Uh, what about you, Cannon? What's your opinion on the X-Men overall? I'm trying to think of how I even started out with the X-Men, but I think I've grown to like appreciate them a little more over time uh, because of the long roster and it coming at superheroes in a different way. You know, that that mutant and being almost like a whole different uh, species of, of human type of thing. Um, that's something that I didn't really appreciate as a kid. I guess I kind of found X-Men to be a little boring growing up, honestly. Um, but over time, I've like learn to like the uh the socio-cultural aspect of x-men and like appreciate that side of it that what it brings to the table versus you know like an avengers or a justice league which really doesn't touch on a lot of those topics so um yeah i haven't got into x-men a whole lot as a adult though but every time i do i, I like that uh, aspect of it a lot but uh it doesn't have like a lot of the action that i guess that i i like with other superhero movies or um, IP. All right, all right. And you know, at the beginning of your statement, if, if you have the the ears and the the ability to hear high frequency, you can hear my heart cracking just a tiny bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shifting over down to you, Xander. Now, <laughs> I want you to lay it all out there because I know your opinion on them, and I know we've talked about Marvel a lot over the years, over the year years. I'll say, um. You came on the podcast, I think your first episode was Spider-Man No Way Home, and I know you were, were you on Spider-Man No Way Home? I can't remember now. No, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your first episode was Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Sadness. Multiverse (laughs) of Sadness. And I know you're really into Doctor Strange, but when it came to other heroes, I honestly can't remember what you were really interested in, but I know for a fact that you were never interested in the X-Men, so I want you to just lay it out there. Now that frequency will turn to a loud siren, but go ahead. Yeah, what is your do. opinion on the X Men? <laughs> I have always slept on the X Men. I've I've tried to get into it. I really like. Uh, first of all, I thought I had seen this movie. I had not. Um, in in all fairness, um, yeah. Well, I'll I'll, I'll save my review for it. <laughs> you know, for for later. But I don't know. I I gave. The movie's a good try. Uh, I watched all the ones that were on Disney Plus a couple years ago, and I knew it wasn't all of them, which was kind of annoying. But I don't know. Just the whole, like, teeny bopper high school aspect of it a lot of the time and, like, the melodrama, I just don't really care for that kind of deal. I kind of like Wolverine sort of i just i i honestly i just hate the like yellow and orange by themselves (laughs) are my least favorite colors uh so that has a lot to do with it but i do really like blue and yellow together um i think it's just a little too much yellow anyway um so i feel like that's that from an early age kind of put me off to wolverine and the x-men i kind of like him being like a short weird scruffy freak monster which you don't really get in these movies because hugh jackman's a babe (laughs) but um i don't know like i thought nightcrawler was cool it's hard for me to get into and i I have tried i feel like 
I haven't read any of the comics though, so I will say that it's just a lot of the comics that I hear people talk about are from like the '90s era, which I, like aesthetically, I'm also not super into, and that that's a big thing for me is like if I'm not into something aesthetically, I'm not gonna watch it usually or read it, you know. All right, all right, cool, cool. I would say I said this last time. The X-Men, as far as, like, popularity goes, as far as comics books, they come in waves. Like, they're not very consistent like Spider-Man or Justice League is or even Batman. Where, like, any story from Spider-Man or Batman, whether popular or unpopular, or whether good or not, or bad, I should say, it would still have a level of popularness to it. The X-Men kind of started off at a low slope. Um, they premiered. They didn't do well. And so they kind of just reran it until they came up with another idea which is bringing in the, the more popular heroes, being Wolverine, Storm, uh, Colossus, and that whole ordeal. Nightcrawler also premiered, and that was in the 80s. And so the 80s is definitely the height of the, the, the first like lift off for the X-Men, the, the uh, early 80s. Or, yeah, early, late 70s, early 80s. Um, and then they kind of progressed, and then it kind of died down again in the 90s. You have a few standout stories, and then the early 2000s came when this movie came out it kind of redirected the x-men into another boost of popularity um and that's where you get like the ultimate universe you know i talk about the ultimate universe being the comics that i read a lot of because they were the ones in the library but some of the older x-men stuff is also around and then uh as far as like right around the time right before we would get iron man maybe like 2006 the X-Men started experiencing what they call the the extinction age where basically they're just trying to kill off all the X-Men. You get this is where you get House of M and Scarlet Witch's whole freak out and her just like no more mutants and we get just them trying to wipe them all out. They at the, around the same time they're introducing the Inhumans who no one gives a fuck about the Inhumans. We all know this, but Marvel was trying. I don't know what was really going on other than the fact that Fox had the rights and they were making movies and they were making bank off of them. But around the, like around Civil War 2006, that comic book art, they would separate a lot of characters. Wolverine would join the Avengers and Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver would join the Avengers again. And then all the X-Men would just slowly die off into different subgroups. And literally a lot of characters would just die. And... Uh, it wasn't until really around 2014-ish they would bring another boost back. A very short boost, but at this point, the the X-Men are like, we're, we're tired of being, you know, pushed around and everything. And this is where you get the uh, X-Men versus the Avengers. And then, again, they would just die off again. And then it wasn't until recently, around 2018, 19-ish, we have this new run of X-Men by Jonathan Hickman that's been going kind of rede redefine the X-Men by taking their entire history, saying it's they kind of did the opposite of Star Wars, where like we're going to chop the canon in half and just say none of that matters. And then we're building this new thing. What Jonathan Hickman basically did was like, all right, all that canon, it does count. That's all in the past, because right now we're going to take all of that. and We're going to make it a part of this one singular storyline now. And so now the X-Men are kind of thriving again. But uh, as from what I understand, they're going to probably kill them all off again for reasons. I don't know. I think the Eternals did something and now the mutants are in trouble again. 
who gives a fuck about the Eternals other than I did like the movie. But the movie was terrible, but I got that good Lego set out of it. You did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, real quick, real quick. I should mention yeah. I love Deadpool. I love Scarlet Witch. Um, so I don't know why I don't like the X-Men. Yeah, that's really. such an odd. Oh wow! Although, Wait, although I love I, Scarlet Witch is one of my favorites, but I like her when they kind of focus less on the mutant part and more on the magic part. And I know that got kind of blurry with the lines between that later on, but she is a but... she is a mutant that can access magic. Is how I've always thought of it. But her... yeah, whatever. Is your Deadpool favorite color great, just red? Yeah, uh, no, it's blue. But, but <laughs> you know, good second favorite color. I just heard red. I heard Deadpool and then Scarlet Witch, so it just yeah. I just think Deadpool's there. hilarious. So uh, should we open the floor up to hot takes right now? Since we're just doing hot takes, anybody have any X Men hot takes? <laughs> I want to. I want to hear them because I I say it all the time. I'm not the biggest Wolverine fan. I don't find him as interesting as the other characters, and I do hate that he has a lot of focus. I understand, but I don't think he is that big of a character. Really, Wolverine only works if you're chucking him at something, or if yeah, yeah. A... I like him as like a side character. Yeah. Yeah, he's a fine. He's fine for the love triangle, but even that's not the best love triangle between Scott and Gene. Everybody knows it's Gene, Emma Frost, and Scott. Like that's the best love triangle. And just, he's an interest, He's a really interesting character to follow around. Around though, like that's the whole thing. He just kind of grunts though. I mean, <laughs> he's not that interesting. Hugh Jackman <laughs> is interesting. Let me say that Hugh Jackman's interesting, but Wolverine as a character, he's got two storylines you can really base them off of other than That's that fair. he just needs the just needs the rage and you they won't really let him do that anymore but does anyone else have any hot takes like i want to hear what's your thing about the, anybody have anything that stands out to them i'd say x-men has got to be one of the rockier superhero franchises in my opinion definitely definitely with like each one like you never know what to expect and you're right about focusing too much on wolverine i mean with origins and the wolverine and but Logan is probably my favorite, uh, personally. I don't know if that's a hot take, but out of the whole X-Men universe, oh. that's probably my favorite movie. Really? Okay. That, that that's movie cool. was damn good. Yeah, we saw that movie together. I The more I watch Logan, the more I don't really like it as much. <laughs> that's Shut weird. Up. It's still a good movie, but again, I'm like, <laughs> I want the X-Men. So would I rather watch X-Men Apocalypse than Logan? Yes, but... I acknowledge what? that Logan is a better movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just as far as from a filmmaking point of view. I think what makes Wolverine interesting, though, is how, like, stripped down he is, though, compared to the other X-Men. He doesn't have, like, powers to change the weather, or read minds, or mess with people like that. I mean, I, I just like how... I do like the close combat aspect and more of, like, a martial arts... Uh, feel to him in a lot of times so that is true that is true the fight in x2 actually is one of my favorite fights in, in film history between him and deathstrike so you got you got it right there i will say he's just clint eastwood with claws that and that's, that's awesome who doesn't like clint eastwood i mean i, I, I love that gorilla song you just helped his kids. <laughs> i'm trying here i'm trying okay so my next thing that I wanted to touch on is just what does the X-Men mean to you? But I feel like we kind of touched on that a little bit. But Shelton, what, is, what does the X-Men mean to you, dude? What does it mean to me? I think all the different characters. It's tons of different personalities, tons of different abilities. And honestly, I, I don't watch too, too much X-Men in the first place. I've watched a handful of things, but even still, I don't know like a large amount about the lore or anything like that. 
So it just feels like every time I'm watching, I'm surprised by some crazy ass shit someone's doing. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> how's it feel to be me for works. a change? <laughs> uh, you're confused a lot. Yeah, actually, <laughs> that's not. But it works. It works for what it does. Ervis, how does what does the X Men mean to you? Does the X Men have meaning for you? As a kid, you know, it's just just uh, people with powers. You know, regular superheroes just going around. But growing up, kind of like a deeper meaning form is uh, throughout the show and just like its old lore, it's like mutants versus humans. So it's almost not like a well, kind of almost like a civil war, like different uh, sections, like different uh, group of people divided. So you got one, you got mutants, and the other side you got humans, and then you got, you know, mutants and humans, and it's kind of like, it's a deeper meaning almost. So that's kind of a cool concept I found. Interesting. All right, all right. Um, Xander, does the X-Men have any meaning for you? Uh, probably not, honestly, just because I, I just haven't been able to get into it. You know what I did, like, when I played Lego Marvel Super Heroes as a kid, and you play Wolverine? <laughs> Uh, when you die, he turns into a skeleton. I thought that was pretty cool. Wow. Amazing. Didn't even know they had that. Lego. Yeah, that's great. There's so many Lego games. All right. The only Lego game I've ever played and ever seen was Star Wars and Batman. And they both frustrated me very much. Oh. You get stuck on the pod racing? Yes. <laughs> that is no. exactly why. <laughs> Oh, Mustafar is way worse. No, it was that, and then running around the goddamn canteen looking for shit, like uh, trying to that, build stuff. Weird. That was annoying. And then Batman, you just fly across the buildings every now and then, and it's like, well, this is. Like, they give you like, a whole bunch of characters to choose from, though, too. Lego Boba Fett. Oh no! <laughs> All right, Canon. What does the X Men mean to you? Does the X Men have any meaning for you? Uh, kind of like what I touched on earlier, just uh very i guess diverse with just like its powers from the the topics that it touches on um and um kind of like what we were talking about earlier about the the mutants versus humans thing um that's a an interesting aspect with the mutants versus humans but you also have the x-men who are kind of like an in-between and as we saw on x2 some people go towards the sides of being just completely against humans so i like that uh different philosophy i guess of x-men yes i lean more towards you (laughs) but yeah i yeah when it comes to x-men for me it's definitely the kind of the same reasons why i really attach myself to spider-man and even batman it's just the philosophy the psychology of it all the even the kind of like politicalness but definitely just overall drama it's just what i'm attracted to so when i think of x-men i do think of that you know, it's a soap opera drama with very heavy, I guess nowadays we would call it woke text in between, not even subtext, but just woke text attached to it. You know, often the X-Men's, you know, basic plight is associated with the civil rights movement and me being a black man, duh. But also, I do think it can branch out into different things. I do think X2, as we will get into, um, displays just the complexness of identity and uh, that's something I always uh, have really looked forward to when movies bring this up as far as like representing identity. You know, we talk a lot about this with Scott Pilgrim and uh, Hereditary and Midsommar to an extent. But identity seems to be a very big topic for me personally. And so I think the X-Men really embodies that or they thrive 
when they embody that x2 does it really well i'm gonna also say x uh the next movie will do the last stand for as all of its faults they do handle that storyline and that subtext really well into a very interesting if i can write a paper on it it's a plus for me and so i can take x i can take x-men last stand and write about an essay about a five-page essay and be completely fine same thing with like again apocalypse is a fun movie but it also has some really interesting stuff in it but also it's really bad (laughs) so you know i can i can go on and on but i'm gonna go ahead and give us our first break and then we're gonna dive into the fun section of the podcast shelton more trivia are you (laughs) my favorite (laughs) all right get ready for some x-men trivia but first we're gonna take a quick break his name is colonel william Stryker, and he invaded your mansion for one purpose he wanted Cerebro. Or enough of it to build one of his own. But that doesn't make any sense. Stryker would need the professor to operate it. Which I think is the only reason my old friend is still alive. Oh my god. Yeah, what are you all so afraid of? While Cerebro is working, Charles's mind is connected to every living person on the planet. If he were forced to concentrate hard enough on a particular group, let's say mutants, for example, he could kill us all. Wait a minute. How would Stryker even know where to find Cerebro in the first place? Because I told him. I helped Charles build it, remember? Mr. Stryker has powerful methods of persuasion, even against a mutant as strong as Charles. So who's the Stryker anyway? He's a military scientist. He spent his whole life trying to solve the mutant problem. If you want a more intimate perspective, why don't you ask Wolverine? You don't remember, do you? William Stryker, the only other man I know who can manipulate adamantium. Metal on your bones. It carries his signature. But the professor... The professor trusted you were smart enough to discover this on your own. He gives you more credit than I do. Why do you need us? Mystique has discovered plans of a base that Stryker's been operating out of for decades. We know that's where he's building the second Cerebro, but we don't know where this base is. And I believe one of you might. The professor already tried. Once again, you think it's all about you. Hello. I didn't mean to snoop. Just try and relax. Stryker's at Alkali Lake. That's where the professor sent me. There's nothing left. There's nothing left on the surface, Logan. The base is underground. We're back. We're going to talk about some trivia here. Here's how the trivia works for our newbies. Uh, I have about five questions. Um, I'm going to ask the question and give everyone a chance to answer. Um, You can either yell out your answer and then we'll wait for everybody to answer, and then I will give the answer. Whoever has the right answer gets the points. Whoever has the wrong answer has to try again. 
pretty simple, but really this is just here for me to have a laugh because I want to see where everybody's knowledge is. And I just wanted to make this exciting. And I think this is probably the best part of the podcast this year, but let's see how we do. All right. Is everybody ready? Yep. All right, cool. First question. Which X-Men has a pet dragon? Is it A, Jean Grey, B, Wolverine, C, Nightcrawler, or D, Shadowcat? I don't even know who the I don't even know who D is, so I'm gonna go with C. Okay, here's Nightcrawler. I can explain the character. Shadowcat or slash Kitty Pride is the girl that can walk through walls. Oh, oh, oh yeah, her. Oh yeah, I'm going with C. C is Nightcrawler. <laughs> so you're yeah. telling me it's not Nightcrawler. Yeah, I'm going with C. I'm going Nightcrawler. I mean he's got a tail. All right, all right. C C That's I that's basically where I'm at too. Aramis, Shelton. Damn. Whew, this is a tough question. I'll go Jean Grey. Why not? All right. We'll go with a She's nice psychic. Dog. Is that a Rick and Morty reference? She's psychic, so she has a pet dragon because they were psychic in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> no. That episode funny. was weird. Love it. It was a really weird one. Did you give an answer, Aramis? Oh, I said uh, Nightcrawler. All right. The answer is D, Shadowcat. Kitty has the. Is uh I think his same name is the dragon from uh I think it's Icar- Icarus yeah Icarus is the same shares the same name that you know, remember when Gohan had a pet dragon for like an episode or two and then it just disappeared yeah. basically same situation um but it is uh, Sheldon I'm surprised you didn't get this one it's the same dragon from New Mutants that Ili- she she later gives it on to uh Iliana I forgot her name all right question number two which is uh should be should be an easy one all right. The question is, where do the X-Men train? Is it A, the holodeck, B, the danger room, C, the watchtower, or D, the savage land? Go B, danger room. The danger room is the only one that I don't know. I know where the other ones are from, so I'm going to go with that one. (laughs) Want to follow suit? All right. Sheldon? I'm going to go with danger room. All right. The answer is B, the danger room. I'm... (laughs) Xander, where, do you, you know where the Savage Land is? Star Trek. Uh, what was what was C? C was the Watchtower. Uh, yeah, Justice League. Justice League. And then uh, the Savage Land. That's um, that's Marvel too, though, isn't it? That, it that's is. Where? Uh, no, not Vandal Savage. That's DC. Uh, what's it's the dude that rides the dinosaurs and <laughs> Spider Man finds him, and then and there the guy that that tries to turn everybody into dinosaurs is there too and he has like cancer or whatever yes but yeah, that is yeah. he that is the savage land did originate in the x-men comics they go there oh. often. but you're right about that there's that dinosaur guy that spider-man fights so i'm like yeah, yeah. i wonder which one he's thinking about <laughs> yeah 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 good job though good job good job oh, danger yeah. room yes fun fact the danger room becomes a villain later on in x-men lore it comes sentient and kind of just pulls an eye robot and then um, but yeah, it's a pretty good, pretty little, pretty good villain. I hope they use someday. All right. So question three in the nineties cartoon adaptation of days of future past, who was sent back in time? Is it a Wolverine B professor X C Bishop D Shadowcat, or E cable Wolverine. All right. Shelton says Wolverine. I, I think it was C. All right. Xander's going with C Bishop. Oh, I meant D. I meant D. I think I think it's her, because of what what I remember from that movie. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> I honestly forgot who said what, but Xander says 
Shadow Cat. I mean, I don't think it's going to be Wolverine because he was sent back in the movie. Right. Yeah, that, that's what that's what I'm thinking. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna fall suit with Shadow Cat. So I was right. answering on the first, and I feel like you'd you'd be a person that does back to back, you know, same person. <laughs> I'll go with Cable. Must listen you know, to our scream episodes. <laughs> All right, so you're going with Cable, Sheldon, and we got two for Shadow yeah. Cat. Aramis, what you got? Mm, I'm gonna go with Sheldon on that one. We'll go with Cable as well. All right, so we got two for Shadow Cat and two for Cable. Everyone is wrong. It, in the '90s cartoon, it was Bishop. I knew it. Oh my gosh! I don't even know who Bishop is. Bishop is one of the most powerful X-Men characters, but uh, he's a big black guy with dreads, and he has the ability to absorb energy and then apply it to an object, and it becomes like a giant ray gun, or he can turn anything into a ray gun. Essentially, um, he's kind of like a battery, but uh, he's the one that was sent back in time. In the 90s cartoon. In the comic book, it was Kitty Pride, Shadow Cat. Oh. In the movie, it was Wolverine. And then in the uh the other cartoon, Wolverine and the X-Men, it was Professor X. Well, that shows you how much I remember of that movie. <laughs> the best X-Men movie? Huh. Show Bishop that one was pretty good. Bishop was in the X-Men. He was in that too. He was in Days of Future Past. Oh, I think I vaguely remember him. Yeah, like I said, he's a giant battery. All right. Next question. This one might be a little hard, so let's see how you guys do. All right. What is the name of Magneto's hideout? Is it A, the Savage Land, B, Island of Krakoa, C, M Corp, or D, Asteroid M? I actually know that one. You're lying. No, no, no. I'm pretty sure I do know. What's the answer then? Krakoa. Oh, wait. Or is that where the mutant, the, the, uh, the Inhumans live? Uh, no, I, I think it's Krakoa. I think it's Krakoa. All right, Xander has locked in his answer. Everyone else, what you got? Uh, I'm just going to keep riding people's waves and go Karkoa. When you said it, it sounded cool, so that's what I was going to go with, but I have no clue, to be honest. <laughs> I'm going with the asteroid M. All right, Aramis? M All right, wow, and a rare appearance. Not a rare appearance, I won't say that, that's mean. Um, Sheldon got it right, it's <laughs> asteroid M. No! <laughs> What is Krakoa? So the island of Krakoa is where the the mutants are right now. They have left the school. They have left the United States. Oh. And there is a mutant that is an island. And that island allowed them to live on. <laughs> yeah, new comics are kind of like reprobate. See, like, that is just the dumbest thing ever. I'm well, sorry. they kind of just basically really made the mutants kind of like. Uh, uh, they kind of tried to take the mutants and base it off of like Asgard essentially so they live on an island but the Aww. island itself is a mutant and that island the mutant's ability is to like project portals and so that's how they get in and out of the city but they all have left the human society and now they live on this giant island I think it's cool you know I what I cool. should have known that because I think I think they go to that asteroid in Lego Marvel superheroes yeah so asteroid <clears throat> M wasn't actually an asteroid but it was a giant like rock <laughs> it's another island but it's another giant rock island that Magneto would hide out on um, during the early days of the comic books. Is it uh, not in space? It is not in space. Magneto can't go to space? What are you talking about? <laughs> no, like they're, they're up in space right before he starts controlling the Statue of Liberty and, and makes it attack New York. I think you're thinking of something else. No, <laughs> no that's in the that's in the Lego game. It's great. Oh. I don't know. Really. <laughs> All right. Last question of the night, guys. Let's see if you get this one. Which member of the Hellfire Club was instrumental in and turning Jean Grey into the Black Queen. Is it A, 
Harry Leland, B. Jason Wingard, C. Sebastian Shaw, or D. Emma Frost? Gotta be Emma Frost. Well, then the Hellfire Club is not like Stranger Things? It is not, but okay. that's where they got the name. The Hellfire Club is a secret society of mutants who essentially try to operate as their own Illuminati, but they were after, they only, what are they doing again? They did a lot of shit. Basically, <laughs> in this specific storyline, they were really after getting the power of the Phoenix, which is what Jean Grey goes on to become and gets possessed by. Um, but they kind of they kind of operate as like their own like Illuminati, but they were based off of chess pieces. But they're like a secret society. That's the Hellfire Club. Oh, Black yeah. Queen, haha, <laughs> funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a year after I watched Stranger Things, and I just now get the reference. <laughs> Didn't even know what it was referencing. I'm gonna go Emma Frost. All right, so we got two for Emma Frost. Sheldon, Xander. I'm gonna go with Emma Frost because she's hot. <laughs> Can't blame you. <laughs> Where did the two before Sebastian? We have Jason Wingard and Harry Leland. Oh, Harry Leland. Name Leland. Leland's from something else. I'm gonna say this right now. None of you got it right. It's not Emma hey, Frost. Hey, but she's still hot though. She. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I want to see if you guys can get it because here's the hint: the this character is in X two, the movie. What we, were the names? Harry Lee. Well, what were the two that we didn't pick? Yeah. Everyone said one. Okay, Harry Leland, Jason Wingard, Sebastian Shaw, and then Emma Frost. The all members of the Hellfire Club. They also have another member, Celine, who was the original oh, it was Black Jason. Queen. Jason was in the movie. I remember Magneto said his name. Yes. And I asked him what his real name was. The answer is Jason Wingard, a.k.a. Mastermind, a mutant who has really powerful telepathy. But Wait, he's... that wasn't that wasn't the fire guy? Py- Pyro? No, Pyro is John. What's his name? I can't oh, remember. Oh, he said John. I knew it was a J name. My oh. bad. Well, yeah. In the movie, Jason Mastermind is the villain of X2, and thus he is the person who was... He was instrumental in Jean Grey becoming Black Queen because his illusion was what tricked her into being a part of the Hellfire Club. And that led her into unleashing the Phoenix because, unlike the movies, the Hellfire Club is actually very important. Um, but, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's our questions. Um, Not as bad as I thought it would be. I think you guys did really well. I think everyone got at least one answer right except for Aramis. <laughs> Oh damn! I got the first, oh, got the first one right now. Did you? I think. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next time, I guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're gonna take our last break, and then we're gonna talk about X Two, X Men United. Doesn't it ever wake you in the middle of the night? The feeling that someday they will pass that foolish law and come for you and your children. Take you all away. It does indeed. I feel a great swell of pity for the poor soul who comes to that school looking for trouble. You're gonna kill me when you have the chance! You're gonna kill him, Bobby! No! No! Welcome, 
Professor. You haven't told him about his past. Who is he? I can't remember. Sometimes anger can help you survive. All right, guys, we're back. Let's talk about X2, X-Men United. Here are some quick facts about it. It was released May 2nd, 2003, directed by Brian Singer. I'm sorry. Uh, screenplay by Michael Daugherty, Dan Harris, and David Hayter. Who, uh, David Hayter, does that name uh, ring a bell for anybody? A little bit. Because I, I, re- I realized who this was like a few days ago. Um, apparently, I think he is the voice of Solid Snake from Metal Gear Solid. But apparently he wrote a movie. Oh, really? Apparently he wrote the X-Men movie. <laughs> so who knew? Oh, shit. That kind of honestly makes sense, given the tone of these movies. Uh, story by Zach Penn, David Hayter, and Brian Singer. Uh, based on X-Men by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, the film stars Patrick Stewart, Hugh Jackman, Ian McKellen, Halle Berry, Fomka Jensen, James Marston, Rebecca Romaine Stamos. I think they're still married by this point. Brian Cox, Kelly Hugh. Alan Cummings, that felt dirty, uh, Bruce Davidson, <laughs> Anna Paquin, Sean Ashmore, Aaron Stanford, and Daniel Cudmore. And the plot goes as such. Stryker, a villainous former army commander, holds the key to Wolverine's past and the future of the X-Men. Uh, this threat reignites the call for Mutant Registration Act. Stryker starts a full-out assault on Professor X's mansion and school. After escaping his plastic cell, Magneto proposes a partnership with Xavier and the X-Men to combat the new formidable enemy. This new formidable enemy they both have in common. The budget for the film is between $110 to $125 million, and the overall box office was $407.7 million. Uh, So quick facts about this. Actually, this is why I want to talk about the writer's strike, and this is where I'll insert it in here. Um, There is a writer's strike happening right now, so... What that means is that a lot of stuff that is in production is going to be halted because we have no writers, specifically TV shows. And I feel like this was relevant to this situation because this is how the X-Men movies were kind of made for a while. Um, we have two writers that made two separate scripts that were for, that was a sequel to the first movie, and then they decided to just combine it. Now, traditionally, that is a horrible idea. That is how you get a very bad movie. Um, but for some reason it worked out for these guys, but Zach Penn and David Hayter wrote two separate scripts. They combined it using the best elements of both scripts. And now X2 is considered one of the, (laughs) one of the best superhero movies of all time. I don't know if you guys knew that, but it is considered that, um, Michael Doherty and Dan Harris were also hired to do the rewrites on that combined script. And they brought many changes to it. This movie was supposed to include beast and angel appearing alongside a characterization, a different characterization of lady Deathstrike. They got cut and Deathstrike got cut down. Um, the Danger Room was and the Sentinels were also are a part uh, were also a part of the original script, but they were cut due to budget concern from Fox. And the film's premise was influenced by the Marvel comic storyline, Return to Weapon X, and one of my favorites, God Loves Man Kills. And that's about it. But yeah, the, the this should not have been as good as it was, considering that we have literally five people writing this movie, and that's 
not really a good idea, but it worked out. So I guess, you know, 2003, they had a grace period. Comic book storylines. Return of Weapon X is basically just Wolverine's origin story. I feel like everyone knows Wolverine, Wolverine's origin story now, but, you know, back then it was still a mystery. People had to, had to literally guess. I mean, by the time we talk about X-Men Origins, they literally had to guess what the what his origin was. <laughs> but uh, God Loves, Man Kills is really the main story here. And so there's a lot of similarities, mainly just that William Stryker is someone who just goes on an all-out crusade against Charles Xavier and the X-Men. That is the basic story of that, um, with an assist from Magneto helping the X-Men retrieving Charles. Um, that comic book or that graphic novel is very sad very graphic as well it begins with the death of two children just dying and being strung up at a playground by these group called the purifiers the purifiers in the x-men world are essentially like really religious zealots who really hate mutants for anyone out there who's seen true blood if you remember like season two they had that whole like church cult essentially that's essentially what the purifiers are um you can, i can see why they didn't put them in the movies because well you don't want to piss off religious groups, but that's essentially who they are. And they would go around just killing mutants in the name of God. And uh, that's kind of how that comic book opens. And then Magneto finds the bodies of the two children. And then he's like, all right, well, I'm pissed off, but I know if I do anything, I'm going to get sent to jail. So I need to talk to Charles and see what happens. Meanwhile, Charles being Charles somehow gets kidnapped and by William Stryker. Uh, the biggest thing I will say um, that I think is interesting is that in the comic book, William Stryker is not a army general or a colonel. He was in the army, but he's not that anymore. He is a reverend, which goes into the whole religious themes, but he is a guy who owns a megachurch. He's basically Joel Olstein, who just really hates people who look different, which is, I guess, just, oh, no. <laughs> I guess so it's just racist. Joel Olstein. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just an asshole. Um, but in the, in the comic books, William Stryker does have a wife and kid. That kid in the comics is not Mastermind, is not Jason, but I can see why they used that character here to make the plot work. But in the comics, uh, William and his wife, he was taking his wife to the hospital, but she ended up having labor in the car as they were going. So he had to stop and pretty much just help her. And she had the baby on the side of the road. And upon the baby being born, like I mentioned last week, Sheldon, sometimes mutants are born with their appearance and their abilities like out the gate instead oh, of waiting yeah. for his child was a mutant and he saw that his child was a mutant. So right then and there, he went on a really, he, his mind basically broke and he killed the baby and his wife right then and there and left them on the side of the road. And from that oh. day forward, he goes oh, wow. off and just builds this church. And essentially their mission is to kill mutants upon God. Cause he felt like his wife and his child being his, his child being a mutant and his wife giving birth to a mutant was a sign from God that mutants are essentially a punishment that need to be rectified. And so that's basically the entire comic book right there. So he goes after the X-Men, he kidnaps Charles Xavier, and then he does it's same same kind of plot where he's using illusions, but he essentially crucifies Charles Xavier and like forces the X-Men to attack him. So like Storm shocks him with lightning and then everyone else just kind of stabs at Xavier. And we're trying to, the whole comic book, you're trying to figure out if it's real or not. But um, yeah, he just gets tortured the entire comic book. And then meanwhile, we have Shadowcat, who, her, Storm, Wolverine, Cyclops, and them are trying to figure out what's going on and why people are being attacked by these religious groups. And that's essentially uh, God Loves, Man Kills, the X-Men comic book. 
which is what this movie is based on. Who does a lot of words? Um, anyway, overall thoughts on the movie. Let's start with you, Sheldon, since you are a veteran here. We'll start with you. What is your overall thoughts on X2 X-Men United? Overall, it was pretty good, but they definitely could have done more with some of the characters. Uh, Xander? It's all right. A lot of the effects don't really hold up, but you can't really fault them for that. Man, but some of the acting was kind of patchy. Stryker's accent kind of came in and out. Oh, uh, yeah, it did. The, the, um, the rogue chick is a little not good and uh i don't i didn't like uh i don't know i I really just it's kind of how i feel for the most part for most of the most of these movies is like i really just like hugh jackman um magneto gandalf and magneto why am i (laughs) well i know gandalf is magneto uh uh uh, ian mckellen gandalf and picard why am i blanking on their actual names patrick stewart and ian mckellen thank you Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, and to be honest, when I watch Ian McKellen, it just kind of makes me want to watch Lord of the Rings. But <laughs> wow! All right, uh, Canon. Just from like the film background on it, I thought it was a, a movie that was like very of its time. Like it reminded me a little bit, uh, even from like the intro credits of um, the Spider-Man, Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Yes. Um, just as far as like the tone or the production i thought like it being filmed actually on film uh gives it like a different type of look and even like as a movie overall it doesn't have like a huge set piece as far as going back to like the world ending thing um there's no big explosions or stuff aside from like i guess the uh the police cars and um the fighter jet chase scene there's not like a whole lot of big set pieces like that it's a lot more grounded i think and more uh i guess thought provoking at times and like you said just drama uh but a couple things that stood out to me was the editing um of the movie i really enjoyed and um the score was cool early on they didn't use it a whole lot later on in the movie and um i like the introduction to the characters at the beginning especially like for wolverine and for um, all the X-Men um, in the in the mall or wherever they are, and Professor X, like everybody had, even uh, Magneto, everybody had a really cool intro in the movie and set them up well for the rest of it. I agree. that that I did love that. That first, like, 30 to 45 minutes is really good yeah. as far as editing goes. And, and the theme song. I do want to shout out the theme song. This movie introduces the classic X-Men movie theme that they will go on to use for all the movies, it is a really good piece of music. I find myself yeah, for, listening to it. For sure. I, I do think the only a critique I'd really give the movie is, like, sometimes it felt like it got a little off base. Like, even with, um, I'm blanking on his name, the, the Ice Guy. Oh, yeah. Um, Bobby, Iceman. Yeah, his, like, the stuff with his parents and his brother. Like, I got whatever it was going with that, but that whole... Um, storyline just felt like it was that's when i started losing me i guess a little bit um just different stuff like that that uh i thought was a little out of place but overall i really enjoyed it i think it holds up over time pretty well all right and aramis overall thoughts on x2 i agree with canon aspect of uh it was just a good movie for its time of course it had like you know looking back at it it had some issues and some things they could have made but um for introducing the characters and everything i thought was pretty cool Kind of the close we got to what they were in the comics, and um, I say my favorite parts are probably like the intro with a uh, Nightcrawler. That whole scene, 
when he invaded the White House. And then um, another one was like at the end when the whole X Men, they, uh, well, spoiler alert, but I mean, yeah, at the end, you know, they, uh, when uh, Professor X, he uh, paused time and everything and they're talking to the president. And you just see like the whole X Men, they tell him, like, you know, the whole ordeal he has to face and everything. And that was pretty cool. So I guess the editing, editing and uh, just introducing the characters was pretty cool. Oh, and real fast, too, which uh, you just reminded me of this. Um, the full circle of the movie is pretty cool. How it starts out in the White House and like ends in the White House. <laughs> girl yeah. sticks her tongue out when they're walking through the exhibit, and then the kid does it at the end toward, uh, toward Stryker. Like, they were, again, going back to the filmmaking aspect, like he just said, a lot of cool full circle moments at the end of that movie. Definitely. Also, I want to point out that, you know, what about. Uh... At the beginning of the third act, Rogue and Bobby is like, where's our uniforms? And then in that White House scene, they have their uniforms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, the narration, too, um, that comes completely full circle with Professor X's like philosophical narration at the beginning. And I think it's Jean Grey at the end. Professor X or, gives one, and then Jean Grey says the monologue from the first movie. And quick thing, too. It was, um, I think it was in the first movie. You said, no, you're calling it Shadowcat? Yeah. Her, yeah. her superhero name traditionally is shadow cat but i know she goes by like sprite or uh and then at some point she just uses her regular name which is kitty pride or Catherine. yeah i just know it's kitty pride uh shadow cat i know um in the i think it was the first movie they were just talking about like the humans they were having a meeting about uh mutants and stuff they're like saying um what if well i think they were referring to kitty pride they were saying uh there's a a mutant that can go through walls they were saying what if a mutant goes to like the white house and stuff like that and in the next movie the first thing is Nightcrawler going to White House. Oh, yeah. Yes, That's yes. Cool. And that brings us to our first main topic here. Just Nightcrawler is has to be one of the coolest characters. And again, this is why I feel like the X-Men are so under like appreciated or under like they're not thought of, but like Nightcrawler, I think, is adapted really well here. I do love this entire sequence of him invading the White House and just bamfing back and forth and kicking everybody in the face. It, it it that matched or uh, matched with the the classical music playing in the background. There's a shot in here where he's like standing next to the the painting of Kennedy, and I'm like, oh, he was assassinated, and he's here to do an assassination. I get it. Oh, yeah. they're kind of facing opposite ways. But how how do you guys feel about the introduction to the Nightcrawler? What do you think about this character? Going back to I forget who said it earlier about the the special effects not being the greatest. That's something that kind of impressed me a little bit with that Nightcrawler scene was him vanishing and and coming back to form. I thought that was a actually done really well and uh, just a iconic opener. I would say like people that can't remember much about that movie if they haven't seen it in a while. I think if you just start playing like a couple seconds of that, they'll remember that whole scene. It's just a uh, sticks in the brain well and i thought they did a great job of like opening up the movie with that um exciting type of uh assassination attempt and sets up well i mean just for the rest of the movie the whole storylines and everything so you know yeah. you're right on that one i the the thing that just bothered me was uh mystique a little bit but yeah. really just, yeah like the watching her skin change it looks a little uh, i thought it looked fine looks a lot better <laughs> Than the I think it's a lot well the first one was no it looks a lot better than the, how they did the first one in the first movie but I, I I get it it's still of its time but I thought it worked a lot I love the way she just scales her her way to, to <laughs> different outfits <laughs> like that I love that scene 
I um, cracked up when she changed into Striker and that door was closing and Striker like bends down and then blows yeah. his I just cracked up in my mind thinking about Brian Cox on set being told to do that. Like that's just uh, I don't know. I <laughs> the exact same thing, bro. <laughs> like Brian Cox really long kisses like that. Nah, me. It's always her like sliding through the door with her <laughs> middle Yo. finger in the air. <laughs> oh yeah. Butt ass naked, slid so smooth through that doorway. Yeah, she's scaly. She's like a lizard. I love it. She's Elizabeth. like a female Bill Cosby for a scene, too. <laughs> <laughs> Another scene I really like. Like, you know what? I didn't even blame dude. I was like, I would, I would too. I would too. <laughs> I oh. mean, really, though, he couldn't have expected that girl to go for him. I mean, she, he says one word in the bar, and she all of a sudden turns around, like, What's your name? I'm like, That's, the, you should know. Like, this, something's weird's going down right now. Devil in a blue dress, literally. Exactly. Yeah, it's nice to see Rebecca, Rebecca Romaine not in in makeup i thought that was a nice surprise i forgot she did that because i'm so used to jennifer lawrence doing it so now when i see the originals again i'm like oh yeah it is a different actress that wasn't oh. jennifer lawrence you know that wasn't jennifer lawrence. i dude i really thought it was jennifer lawrence no she would have been like six years old right <laughs> oh yeah i guess I think about that. i was actually just about to say how great a casting they did on jennifer lawrence because it does look like her like oh yeah I it was her i never okay. noticed yeah, there's like even a scene in uh, First Class where she's in Charles's bed, I think. No, no, uh, Magneto's bed, and she's naked, and she she's Jennifer Lawrence, and then he's like, uh, if only you were older, and then she morphs into Rebecca Romaine, and they do look, like, really alike. They have, they, she's there. She was there for, like, what, a scene? She was there for, like, half a day, but it was a nice scene, yeah. That, that's something I don't understand. Like, Mystique in the prequels is, like, so much more of an important character, in my opinion, than in the originals. Like, she hardly speaks herself or oh, really yeah. has much she of has... A, I don't know, a background or stuff. Like, she doesn't... If, if the prequels are really supposed to lead into that, then I don't understand how she just got sidelined. Yeah, the... The she barely she has less lines in this movie than she did in the first movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. You think they wouldn't do that? I will say this: as far as like importance goes in the comics, Mystique is she's not even like an Im- She's an important character. She's a she's an if you want X Men villain and not Magneto, you need Mystique. But she's to the point where she's not even like a full on villain anymore. I've always seen mystique it's just like she's an assassin she's a, a person you hire to do a thing and she will get it done as long as you pay her like she's you know she's kind of sort of like a black widow without all the limitations um but she does have her alliances with magneto with charles i think what they did in those prequel movies is that and I, what i love about those prequel movies is that they because they wanted to hinge they wouldn't have changed the focus from wolverine to charles and magneto because those two characters are about those two different sides, you know, again, I'm going to use Star Wars because it's it's the most obvious reference. But, you know, if you have light and dark, you have to have somebody in the middle to be the audience surrogate. And that's very important to X-Men in general. And whenever you're doing an X-Men story, you nine times out of ten, you need an audience surrogate. Usually it's a younger girl. And so they changed that with Mystique. You had Charles and... And uh, Eric, you throw in Mystique as that younger female character. I said this when we did the first movie. Traditionally, if you have Wolverine being the main character in the story, you give him a female sidekick so the audience has someone to look through. That's who Kitty Pride was essentially in the 80s. 
Kitty Pride would hang around a lot. She would hang a lot. Dang, what am I saying? She would hang around a lot with Wolverine and Storm, and those were like her parents. And she, you would just watch events happen around her. And so she would end up involved that way. And then she hooked up with uh, Colossus, and that became a thing. Same thing with Rogue. Same thing with Jubilee, who, again, is in this movie for like a split second. I don't know why they're so afraid to use this Asian chick, because she's a really good character. <laughs> But she only shows up at the end and it pisses me off every time I see these movies. I'm like, Jubilee is right there. She's really cool. Why are they sidelining her this much? I think it goes back to a little bit, though, like X-Men roster again being so large. Like, True, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. almost like an in-game problem over and over again, like for every movie. Like, I don't know. Everybody's going to have their favorite characters and there's no way they're going to just focus on, you know those i think that's very difficult when it comes to x-men and maybe how it benefits as a tv show in comparison but that is true and when, when you add new ones too you have to like take the time to explore the depth of the character at least a little bit or else they're just a shitty character yeah i feel like yeah a lot of these movies they just like here's an easter egg character or like here's a snippet of a character we'll see them a lot more in the next movie and we got a lot of that i mean aside from nightcrawler we don't ever really see him again until the prequels and that's after the timeline change but uh you get colossus i was so hyped when i saw colossus again i was like oh yeah colossus is in this movie <laughs> he just gets one scene and then he shuffles the kids off into the forest <laughs> I mean, that goes back to what you're talking about with Rogue, too, going from being such an important character to uh, just kind of a girlfriend who hurts people. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I need, I need that on a t-shirt. Girlfriend who hurts people. Like That's, that's pretty wow. much That's pretty much it. I mean, if they play somebody so important in the movie before, they can't really continue that aside from Wolverine, I feel like, and your Professor X and Magneto. Like, those characters get played out so much. Definitely, because they just relived the same plot they had the last movie. <laughs> They're the ones everybody knows. Yeah. Cool, so. I almost was like, when I was reading the cast, I'm like, I'm like, it's just everyone from last time with a few recast and another guy, like another another villain. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the the Nightcrawler stuff is really good. I do like Nightcrawler as a character in the comic. He's a bit different here than in the comics as far as like appearance goes. In the comics, he does not have the scars which I thought was such a weird choice, even when I was younger watching this movie. In the comics, Nightcrawler actually has really short blue fur. He's kind of always, they're calling him an elf, usually. He's akin to an elf rather than a devil. But he does have that devil represent, or representation, I guess, reputation. But uh, here, they go full-on, like, Catholic <laughs> German guy. Can I just say how many times they cut to Pyro's lighter throughout that movie annoyed the shit out of me? <laughs> I had to do a close-up shot of that like five times, and I was just so annoyed by the end of it. I was like, I get it. He makes fire. It's a smiley face on the lighter. <laughs> like, we've seen it a million times now. <laughs> I do like the lighter, though, but anytime he clings it, I'm like, please stop. It's like when someone pops gum. Like, It's cool. It was just like every time they wanted to cut to like that little trio, it was like, got to show the lighter. Like, that's how we start the scene. And I just, I don't know. Uh, it just kind of annoyed me. It's a small nitpick, but... Uh... Where else should we go? We talked about Nightcrawler. He is religious in the comics. He's very religious, but he's much more of a swashbuckler. Like, he's a pirate, essentially. He's a very good swordsman, and he uses that to the best of his ability. And other than that, he's usually just there to annoy everyone. <laughs> he's kind of, like, he's annoying in the best way. Like, he really gets on Wolverine's nerves. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of who else he's usually paired with. He usually paired with Wolverine and Rogue and uh, Cyclops. 
But other than that, he's kind of off on his own. He had like a little romance with Scarlet Witch way back when, but no one really talks about it. But um, I like I like Nightcrawler. He's one of my favorite X Men characters. I think they probably played on the religious aspect so much because you start off the movie with the guy trying to kill the president. So it's like we got to make him sympathetic now for the rest of the movie. Really show he's not a bad guy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we don't want people to be scared of this guy who. Yeah. He's actually really nice. He's kind. He saves people by teleporting. Yeah. I do love the running joke though. Every time someone's like, "Who is this guy?" He has to go through his whole entire like stats card. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love how he kept doing the intro, but in the circus they call me and they like cut him off the last time. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So we talked about some of the editing because that's when we shift over to Wolverine, who is looking for his past. Um, I do like the the transition between like the wolves to Wolverine and then back to a real yeah. wolf. Yeah, where he uh, he's he uh, stares that wolf down and it walks off, and then when it cuts from Wolverine, it like slowly fades into the wolf at the exhibit with that girl I talked about that stuck her tongue out. Like I thought that was the first thing that caught me, and that's what was going like, oh, this editing is really cool with that transition. Yeah, they definitely slowed things down with the intro because if you remember the first movie, the intros are like back to back. We get Magneto as a kid, and then we jump to Rogue, and then we jump to Jean Grey, and then we jump to Charles, and then we jump to Eric, and then we jump to Wolverine, and then we jump back to Rogue, and it's like it's very all over the place. Here they slowed things down. Now I guess everyone's together, so we're just bouncing between three separate things happening, three our three separate plots essentially. I do like the museum scene a lot. Um, but uh, as far as Mystique goes, she starts off as Senator. She's still Senator Kelly from the last movie. Um, and she's talking with when we first meet William Stryker at the White House. And he's trying to convince them, like, hey, this school is not a school. <laughs> and we want permission to shoot it up. Guy's like, all right, cool. And she's just yeah. there to get information on where Magneto is. I like the little tease of her, her saying, like, uh, are you wanting to start a war or something along those lines? And then just smiling after that, like, see that, like, they're wanting, they're desperate to, like, get into that war, pretty much, that they set up later on. But as far as the exhibit scene, I thought the, the going back to the editing, too, Jean Grey, when she starts hearing everybody in the mall and everybody's staring her down or whatever. Yeah. Um, that was really cool, the fast... Uh, like cut editing on that going back and forth like it really made you anxious like she was and then snapping out of it and everything i thought that was also really good editing early on wow i do a little detail i like a lot is just that the use of gene gray's powers and how they like she does not have control because in that same scene she's like messing with the tvs and no it's not traditional it's not the traditional cliche of like oh the table's shaking just a bit she may be you know losing it but here it's just like little like tiny things like she messes with the TV, she messes with the exhibit lights, and then Scott's like, "Hey, yo, stop it! What, what you doing?" <laughs> She's like, "I don't know." Um, here's okay. Here's where I want to pause again, and I want to go towards Shelton and Xander here. Jean Grey, because I feel like last time we had to explain what Rogue's powers were. And so I tried to, I think I explained a little bit of what Jean Grey does, but starting with you, Sheldon, because this movie emphasizes Jean Grey's abilities so prominently, did you understand what her powers were and what was happening? Uh, not exactly. Because, again, I, I still pretty much think of her powers how we discussed it in the last one, where it's like, you know, telekinesis mixed with um, telepathy. What about you, Xander? Did you get a read on what her abilities were? 
Isn't she possessed by, like, a space demon or whatever? <laughs> we'll get there. But traditionally, kind of, sort of. She's, yeah, kind of. Space demon? I mean, yeah, I guess. I just love that you said space demon. Yeah. Yeah. It's what it basically is. It's kind of like... reminds me of uh, Sienna Fuegonasis from uh, from Warhammer Vermintide. Just, just like her, her tripping out if she goes too hard with it. Oh, the Fire Witch? Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. Sheldon, you know Warhammer? Yeah. Oh, this is a great Burn combination. Xander loves Warhammer. Yes, he does. I don't know shit about Warhammer. I got a buddy that does, though. Hunter, actually. Hey, well, looks like we got to get that going, then. Aramis, I'm going to ask you, but I remember specifically explaining what Jean could do to you like a year or so ago. But do you did you understand what her powers were going, what she was going through in this movie? You said Jean? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I just know has to do with the what's it called the um Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix. Yeah, I just know she's one of the strongest mutants, so I got the gist of that. But as far as her powers, nah, not really. All right, what about you, Cannon? I thought it kept it pretty vague, in my opinion. I mean, it really just her reading minds early on, and then um, just being able to move objects kind of with her mind but it, she pretends like she's using the force a lot of the time <laughs> um but that was pretty much all i got was some sort of weird uh telepathic sort of powers see that's where i'm glad you used the word vague because that is why that's another ding i would give this movie i think i do love the fact that they are setting it up for gene's whole phoenixness to unleash um again you're you're more right there xander with her being possessed by a giant fiery space demon bird that's essentially how it happens she's uh the phoenix force is one of the most powerful forces in the marvel universe it's up there with like eternity i think if you, you know thor love and thunder that whole being it's basically where the phoenix force is kind of like sitting next to uh as far as like power levels go or power scaling but in this movie, in, in in some iterations, I want to say even the the ultimate version of the X Men, they make it to where the Phoenix is just literally a locked part of her brain, and it's where we we'll get into more of it when we do X Men Last Stand. So I won't spend too much time on it, but I do love that they hint at it so much here with her powers. But I do hate that it keep it so vague. Like it's just like she gets a headache and then. Oh, when she's doing the missile things, her eyes start firing up. And I'm like, well, if you're going to go that far, you might as well, like, go ahead and start telling us what's going on. But they do nothing. And then the end of the movie, she decides that, you know what? I think I'm going to just kill myself. <laughs> and that's what pissed yeah. me off. I was like, wait a minute. That's what always catches me. Like, this movie to me is, like, close to perfect. It's just that last, like, 30 minutes of, like, Gene being like, you know what? I've been feeling weird lately. I think it's time to off myself. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. It's like, what? Did she take over Charles and everything, too? Speaking yeah. <laughs> just like, you know, the whole thing, and I, I know I'm jumping around here, but like the whole thing is like, she's on the plane, and she's like, I don't know about my powers, and they go and get Nightcrawler, and she holds him in, in, in thin air. Like, she just holds him in place. She's like, yeah, I got him. He's not going anywhere. Meaning, she's not only holding him tel uh, tel telekinetically, but she is telepathically stopping him from teleporting. 
So what yeah, do you mean? Yeah, he goes into like a pocket dimension. How oh, on yeah. Earth does she get to do that? She's power. She's Omega level mutant. I know that means nothing to you, but she's. Uh, it does. <laughs> I just sleep on that whole power scaling thing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it makes sense. She would telepathically stop someone from using their abilities. I mean, he does go into a pocket dimension, but it's just hell. So I mean, oh, yeah, he just trans. That's where the dragons Which come from. One? Actually. Yeah, the X Men have like a bajillion hills, but he—I think it's brimstone—is what because when he teleports, it's supposed to smell like brimstone. So I think it's like the brimstone dimension, but uh, from what I remember. But yeah, he just—he has to look where he's going because it's basically him going through a giant portal to where he needs to be, and it's—it's it's a whole thing. The the X Men powers get a lot. They're like they're very micro specific, but then they have so much that goes into them, which is why. Everyone kind of works, and that's what I was saying earlier. Like, I feel like this movie they need to all be powered up a bit because the 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 leaps and bounds they go through throughout this movie just irritates me a bit. Like Wolverine, he gets shot, and he's like down on the ground for what five minutes while Pyro is torching the entire Boston Police Department, and then he gets up. Yeah, and... I really gotta ask. Uh, yeah, can Wolverine die, or is it like Deadpool where like you'd have to completely? atomize him did did you not see logan no actually oh i mean i know he dies in it but uh, uh, yeah Anthony i thought he Mandy, couldn't really die the adamantium is like poison pretty much uh, yeah over time so he'd be like deadpool if he didn't have adamantium in him yeah that's what oh. i assume at least that's yeah. the way they set up his background. I mean, him going through the Revolutionary War, Civil War, whatever. See, that stuff's uh, cool. I want a movie on that. Like, him and Captain America? That'd be dope. <laughs> he was supposed to be in the first guy. Him and Magneto were supposed to show up in that. But then Fox was like, no. I should of say course. I also like Magneto. I think he's cool. Magneto is cool. A bit redundant. Eyebrows are a little cool. much sometimes, though. I do yeah, wish... he can be. We'll get to Magneto, because I do like his prison scene. <laughs> Yeah, that was cool. That was a genius breakout. Like that was awesome. But uh, as far as Wolverine goes, there are ways to kill him. That's what I was thinking about. You can you can set him on fire, and you have to burn him into like pure ash. Like he has to be literal dust. Or you can chop up his body and then put the pieces somewhere because he won't grow back like Deadpool. He'll just die. You just have to separate the body part so he can't reattach. But those are like the main two ways you can kill him. Because I know. So you're telling me that Lego Marvel superheroes lied to me? Oh, <laughs> uh, what they do? <laughs> what did they do? And he just turns into a skeleton once you once you lose all your hearts. Well, that's uh, that's <laughs> more of a. I would say that's more of like a an Easter egg to Days of Future Past. But again, he gets incinerated. But in Days of Future Past, the original storyline, Future Wolverine does die because a Sentinel. They they get a power boost and though so they they're able to burn hot enough to kill him where they just they fire at him and you know Wolverine being Wolverine he jumps up and tries to like just take it head on and then he's incinerated but he turns into a skeleton but then that skeleton turns into dust which is doesn't make sense because the skeleton's metal but it was the future so they made it happen. Hey, real quick question. Yo. So with adamantium, right? Yes. You have to keep it so hot that it stays liquid because if it dries it's unbreakable right yes you can't reheat it why that is a question for wikipedia sir (laughs) (laughs) i mean would it not just melt at a certain temperature again 
I don't think so. That's that's why I think adamantium is often considered stronger than vibranium. Is there? You know what? Maybe I'm thinking too much of this. No, I think there a chemical reaction when it when it. I don't think so. I think it just stays. It's supposed to stay solid when it cools down. No, it melts. Never mind. I'm kidding. I'm I'm lying because no, dang it! You're confusing me now. I do know it's stronger than vibranium, and I do know it, it can change. Be- in the movie, they're not 100% wrong, because what Magneto does often is rip the animadium out of Wolverine to stop him. So even when it's hardened state, someone like Magneto can take the metal and like does what he uh, what he did to dude in this movie and just rip it out of him. Turn so- him into a skeleton, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> you and the skeleton, dude. <laughs> I like Lego yeah. skeletons a lot. I don't know why. Oh my god. Anywho, um, I do. <laughs> going back into the the movie here, um, we get reintroduced to Iceman or Bobby. I keep I I kind of do hate that they keep calling him Bobby, but I I guess you can't run around and call him Iceman. But like, I just wish he was just Iceman. But uh, we got Bobby, Rogue, and John who become this trio of teens that we end up following. They're cool. I do like the little scene there. John just being a dick. I do in the comics. John is an Australian guy who was just hired by Magneto, or no, oh, he's hired by somebody to kill Senator Kelly in Days of Future Past. But he's also like becomes one of Magneto's cronies. Um, I do like that they give him an actual character in this movie. He's just the guy again. He's the guy in the middle, the teenager in the middle that needs to make a decision. And I do like the fact that he decides to go dark. Um, so I do like his character arc, but how do you, how do we feel about Rogue, Bobby, and John in this movie here as our main teen trio? Aramis, you want to give your thoughts on these guys? Uh, I've always been a Rogue fan, you know, because her powers and her abilities. I know uh, in the show she was a uh, she had like super strength; she could fly. Is that something to do with like Miss Marvel? Oh yeah, we talked about uh, that last time. She absorbs Miss Marvel's abilities, puts her in a coma, and keeps her powers. Yeah, I always thought that was cool. Uh, doing with Iceman, you know, I I just like the character. I thought, <laughs> fun, you know, it was cold <laughs> saying he's Iceman. But <laughs> I thought it was a, ni- a nice character. And, yeah, I guess Rogue and Iceman, was, I just like those two. John, you know, he was, he was cool. Wasn't my favorite, but, you know, he's there. Yeah. He has the, the M. Night Shyamalan syndrome of I can't create my own fire. Uh, was it? I don't know who said it, but it was like he kept that lighter. Every yeah. song. <laughs> Cannon said about the the lighter. Uh, it's still a cool looking lighter though. But yeah, <laughs> we got to emphasize not the metaphor. To, not enough to keep warranting a, a close up shot of it. That's all I'll keep saying. It could be in the scene. Just just take me away from it. Cannon, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how'd you feel about Bobby and Rogue and Ice? Or dang, Bobby, Rogue, and John in this movie. Uh, I thought John was a, a very boring one note character and Aww. him just switching to bad at the end was just like, okay, I guess cause you, you know, set some cops ablaze and blew up a bunch of cop cars. You're like, I guess I gotta be bad now. There wasn't a whole lot of development there. Uh, even with like the romance, it's like they keep worrying mostly in the first half of the movie about whether they can kiss or have sex. And, um, then they finally have a long make out and he starts hurting and it's like, okay. So that's as far as the romantic, really, storyline got taken, it felt like, for me. Um, I don't know. They were just very uh, C-plotline-type characters for me and didn't really 
contribute a whole lot. I mean, I kept screaming in the mansion scene, like, just make an ice wall or something, <laughs> cut off these people. And finally he did. And like you guys said, he didn't even do that at the end, which could have been a, a cool full circle moment. But I don't know. I guess you had to kill Jean Grey. Anyways. Um, thought the, she wouldn't the let team... them. <laughs> she wouldn't yeah. let them off the plate. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. Um... As far as the teens go, I, I again didn't wasn't very interested by much of that. I wish Iceman would have made a uh, an icicle and threw it at his brother in the bedroom. At, no. at, uh, <laughs> when he's staring and that whole stare down back and forth. I don't know. A lot of it was kind of cheesy again with that whole little plot line, but the the teens were just boring and kind of one note in my opinion. wasn't a whole lot of substance. All right. Well, I I'm glad you said cheesy because <laughs> it made my notes. I wrote my notes. They feel like Boy Meets World, and I like Boy Meets World. So that's probably why I was really grooving with them for a while. But I mean, it was just like his brother <laughs> staring him down. He stares him back, and then after they blow up all those cop cars and then reverse everything, and somehow magically all the cops are alive except for I don't know about the two at the end of the the front porch. But yeah, um, <laughs> we don't see the parents. Apparently, the parents were just holding their child that whole time up in his bedroom, looking down at them like as all this was going on. Nobody's freaking out, screaming, nothing. It's just like, you know, we're disappointed in you. Look, and I just, I don't know. Again, a lot of that just didn't make sense to me. But yeah, I know they got away in a Blackbird jet, but like, where's the SWAT team? He, he, I'm like, a, he did take out the entire the police department in that. Well, town. his brother, his brother did SWAT him though. That's what I was like. You, I don't know. I got so mad at his brother there for a whole minute, uh, just for like. You hear him out for a 30-second conversation, and you're like, I hate mutants. I'm going to call the cops and yeah. SWAT my own family. I mean, that, yeah. I don't know. There were some leaps taken there, but yeah, I, I don't know about. I don't know. I, don't I mean, know if we take the situation, thing. and it's like, my brother came home with a black girl, so I called the police. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even know what to say to that, honestly, but... That might get cut out. I was trying to make something there. I don't know. It's a bad joke. No, no it's a great joke. I mean, it's it's just, there's no no response that I could, I don't think anybody could give to that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's what I thought of. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you see it in that way, like he's just a super racist kid, but <laughs> even then, he's just like, I'll see you later, and immediately calls 911. That was just... I don't know. I will say I did laugh looking at his face through the window because it reminded me of Toy Story 2. And it's just, you know, how Andy, you know, Woody has that nightmare and Andy's like, bye, Woody. That's the same face the actor's making. It, it reminds me more of Squidward staring out of the window looking down at SpongeBob <laughs> and Patrick playing out on the lawn, like something like that. Just like, just a uh, void disgust. of any emotion. Yeah. <laughs> the non acting of a child actor. Yes. They really didn't do much this movie. Which disappoints the hell out of me. You know, we brought up the fucking ice wall. Give him props for doing it once, but he could have he could have done more. I think all the kids could have done more. When um, what's his name? When Jason blew up the the cop car, it's like okay, you're killing all those people. That's fucked up. But at least you're doing something. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Rogue did something. She stopped him. She grabbed an ankle. <laughs> <laughs> that's her big. That's her big to do in the movie. She took off her signature gloves to grab an ankle, yes. Okay. Which I did I like that she got her grandmother's s- gloves though, right? Yeah, but in you know, in the comics she when she's not in full body suit, she has like these white gloves she wears. And uh, so okay. they gave they gave her, their, her her gloves. I did like that. Comic book stuff. Um but yeah, she did grab his ankle, stopping him. The whole thing that confuses me though, 
in these movies is that, which is why I hate that they never got a handle on what Rogue can do. Because in the first movie, they established if she hangs on long enough, she will kill you. And so she has like this time limit, essentially, like Ben 10 style. I, I can hang on to you and absorb your powers, but eventually I'm going I'm to suck you dry. That's a terrible way. Oh, she's eventually wow. <laughs> talking about a teenager. <laughs> oh my god! Eventually, she's gonna like drain the life out of you. But mm. here, she's hanging on the pyro for a good like three minutes. I'm like, is he? Ha- is he? Has he gone into cardiac arrest yet? Because like she hung on the Wolverine for like a minute and a half, and he was like bleeding at the face. <laughs> at the same time, it seems like that power is weaker now ever since the Magneto thing. She's supposed to be stronger. What do you mean? Every time she absorbs the power, she gets stronger. She was kissing dude for a hot second before she actually started sucking him. Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> Can't get around it. It's okay. She did True Blood. She's fine. We've seen her. Almost, almost oh, my like, God. Oh, that was a uh, Suki. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've seen a lot of her. She, she was big contact with him for a good minute before he started, like, dying. Which... Problem to solve their problem about you know kissing and having sex. Couldn't Bobby just like frost his lips or make you an ice condom? Ice condom. You know, like it'd be cold. And so yeah, like I was gonna would... say. Uh, well, I mean, maybe. Mm. And then you stick that up. Yeah, it was. You ever tried to I get have... erect in an ice bath? Yeah. <laughs> See, now the question is, is the ice as cold to him as it is to us? No, but her. Yeah, it would be her. Oh, yeah, no, I don't give her. Ooh, I'm not going to say that. Maybe she just, like, slowly melts it, and that's, like, how they're done, I guess. (laughs) Oh. Oh, going back real fast to you talking about, like, the kids not using their powers to their fullest potential. Like, that's what I felt in the mansion scene. Like, these SWAT guys are coming in with guns. Like, yes! what you're supposed to be prepared for? Like, why is everybody running? And, like, they're going to kill us. It's like, use your damn powers. Do something. I mean, I get the mutants that don't have, like, really good abilities. Like, I changed the channel. Like, okay, run. You run for your life. You know, I... Yeah, I, but I, he could probably control other tech, too. Like, the radios and stuff. Like, make okay, them go yeah. high-pitched. I don't know. Like, there's just... There's so much that they could have done instead for like running in a secret door and going down a gutter like i just thought that was they were seemed very helpless <laughs> and it was ridiculous i just think of, i think of like all of these kids are probably like the their sidekicks from sky high like they all have really just not <laughs> yeah but when there's a hundred of you like everybody do something at once like distract them. i don't know like, i mean shit one was breaking everybody's eardrums just because she got scared yes, yes. Like, Siren, I, we love Siren. She is the daughter of X Men Banshee, so she's. It makes sense she's here, but stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. I love that scene though, where she just she immediately <laughs> screams, and everybody's like, "Oh shit!" Like, can we just, talk about it too? They were firing like dart guns, like at the, all the little kids, and then when they fired Iceman, it's just like a hundred round. Like, yeah. Flip. <laughs> Adam. Like I was like, oh my god! Like it just went lethal real fast. Because they wanted to <laughs> kidnap the kids. I guess so. But yeah. I mean, do they like? I guess have different sections of the SWAT team. Like, okay, you guys are after the teenagers to adults, and you get the real guns. So yeah, you, you know, they <laughs> every every squad is assigned to an age group. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dark group and bullet group. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> All right, you get K through four, and then you get five. <laughs> Holy shit. Where's my Anakin's at? Right. 
I'm going after the seniors. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was born to do this. Yes. Speaking of the the raid though, I do. We gotta love the the X raid. Like we gotta love them raiding the X mansion, right? Like this has got to be one of the best sequences in any comic book movie. I I would it's say the wrong house, bub. Yes, like. <laughs> Wolverine unleashing. I do hate the fact that Bobby's just sitting behind the counter while <laughs> Wolverine Get cover. Man, <laughs> like you oh, can yeah. make yeah I, icicles. Like you know you can do something. Something freeze the, the gun. I don't know. <laughs> He's just like you could freeze dudes fire, but you can't <laughs> shoot some ice at people. <laughs> again, back to ice wall yet again, but. But even like Rogue, like touch someone, do something. <laughs> Someone's got some kind of ability. Do it. I, I will give it to Rogue though. Like they got dark guns and real guns. He don't need to be trying to get that close. That is true. <laughs> she doesn't know how to do shit yet, too. <laughs> Besides grab people. But uh, yes, I do love the reveal of Colossus and how he's just eating those bullets and then just throws them again, throws them through the wall. <laughs> I do love that. Uh, but then again, it calls in the question: How old is this guy, and why is he at the school? Like man, I'm like, is he all, a teacher's assistant? <laughs> all the teenagers in this movie, though, like that back in the early 2000s, just like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, like those <laughs> teenagers are in their late 20s. But at uh, the same time, that's how teenagers kind of looked then. I don't know. Yes, people people tend to laugh true. at me, but I'm telling you, like the CW age of like that's how teenagers look. They were just all huge for no reason. <laughs> Yeah, like oh, I'm 15. I'm sorry. What? And no reason you're Superman. Look at you. <laughs> the reason football was the most popular sport back then. Yeah. Me and a friend started dying laughing last night when he said, uh, "You picked the wrong house, bub." Because I was saying, imagine if he did that to every single person in that house, like right now. <laughs> I was just kept saying, "You picked the wrong house, bub. You picked the wrong house, bub." Like to each one. You pick the wrong house, house bub. <laughs> like, making chill, sure everybody chill, knows DJ. they picked the wrong house. <laughs> like <laughs> William comes in Wolverine I when, it's the last place I think I find you here picked the wrong house bub excuse yeah. me <laughs> it's been 15 years you picked the wrong house bub <laughs> I don't know I just thought that would be hilarious to cut into that scene I do like stealth Wolverine though he was he was getting at them real quickly like he got the guy in the foot too like that oh, that was unnecessary oh, that, was, that was just so mean painful. Even if that guy lived, he has to live with knowing that he got taken down by in the foot. Like that. <laughs> did he not end up killing that guy? I thought he like gave him a slice to the throat. He which probably I just, did. That's why I thought was it was like extra mean because like just go ahead and slit his throat. There's no reason for you to take his toes off before he dies. <laughs> like there's Yes. I do like in this movie they emphasize how huge his claws are. <laughs> yeah. Like, they really squared them off in this movie. And I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> that to be stabbed like that. You mean his knives? As the yeah. On it? <laughs> Put down the knives. Put down the knives. I can't. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> but you actually can, though. Yeah. <laughs> he said, look, it's pal right there. Um, I mean, we kind of skipped over it, but uh, a subtext, you know, in that same, like, uh, sequence with uh, Bobby and his parents, you know, we do get one of the many subtexts of the X-Men, which is if they're not standing for racism, they're standing for sexuality. And so Bobby has to come out to his parents. How do we feel about this whole ordeal? Does this fit for you guys or does this 
does does this not work as well as the civil rights type of deal? Honestly, didn't even pick up on that till you just said it. I didn't think. Yeah, about neither that did way. I. Yeah, like what? That's, that's really cool. Really? I mean, yeah, I didn't. I didn't get that. I guess, but yeah. I see it. I just didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I kind of when I when I seen it, I was like, I couldn't describe it. But when you say that, it makes sense because it was like, um, what, what, what did the parents say when um. Bobby told me. Oh, have you have you tried not being a mutant? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. think about it like that. Just like, oh, what? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I just thought that was a stupid throwaway line. Yeah. My friend <laughs> were like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> Mom's not bright. Mom's not bright at all. <laughs> yeah, that does make sense though. Okay. But yeah, yeah, I feel like in the first movie they lean heavily into the the uh, civil rightsness of it all, of tolerance and bigotry, and then in this movie they specifically the director really highlighted more of the sexuality aspects of when it came to the to the certain characters here and yeah bobby's whole scene is him coming out essentially and his parents and his family rejecting him to the point of calling the police which is sadly not unheard of but um yeah kind of what ended up happening to brian singer (laughs) yes i was gonna say like i would applaud brian singer for doing this but then after knowing much more about him (laughs) No, not at all. Yeah. I was, I'm, I'm kind of like I've been kind of refraining from bringing up his whole ordeal. I wanted to bring it up in the next movie because it's more relevant. Because there we have him and Brett Ratner. So, but Brian Singer, for just right now, for context reasons, he's essentially the Hollywood director slash producer who brings you to a house and things happen to you that you don't want, especially if you're like twelve. I was going to say, like, that's the only note I would give about, like, him directing this movie was, like, when I saw, like, the kid that was changing, like, the TV channels and stuff. It just made me, like, oh, kind yeah. of scared for, like, the kids that were in that movie, I guess to say. But, like, aside from that, he didn't really play a role in it from here. I didn't think about him. Yeah, his his directing style kind of lessens over time. I still think that he did a good job with this movie and with, uh, days of future past but then again you also get something like uh, like apocalypse and uh, another huge thing about brian singer and again i'll go into more of it but like uh Sheldon, you remember how we talked about uh fantastic four 2015 and how the director in that one was pretty shit yes yeah brian singer's the same kind of deal just picking uh... fights with the like literally trying to fist fight his cast members and just not on set for a long time, which becomes a detriment to the series later on. So that's not a good guy. But, you know. Anyway, uh, Gene and Storm go on a secret mission that lasts the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> it takes them forever to get to Boston from New York in a jet plane. <laughs> I don't know what how long it took them, but it was long enough for the X-Mansion to be raided, and then for I'm them to... I'm telling you, that thing is stupid slow for no reason. <laughs> I remember in Lego Marvel Superheroes, that was like the fastest plane you could fly. Right. Ultimate Alliance, they used, instead of the Quinjet, they used the Blackbird at some point. Yeah, and... Quinjet's cooler, though. I guess, because it has more department apart, departments, compartments to it. But I don't know. Just the fact that they were like, go to Boston, pick up this mutant. Okay, two days later, we found him. <laughs> like, I've been kidnapped. Yeah, literally should have taken you five minutes. Where where, where are they at? They're in upstate New York, Winchester. Oh, and... my gosh. To Boston? 
Yes, Wolverine drives to Boston, to Bobby's Dude, house. <laughs> I flew in a regular plane from New York City to D.C. It was the shortest flight I'd ever been on. I think it's one of the <laughs> shortest flights you can fly. It was like 30 oh, minutes. Oh, wow. Well, and I think when Logan calls on them, like, they just show up, you know, right. a few minutes later. So at one point, they are, like, super fast, but other times they're, like, oh, it takes forever to get there, I guess. Right. Maybe the and wind then... working against them. And then where is Alkali? Alkali Lake is in Canada, right? Right? I'm assuming. I mean, we'll get confirmation when we do X-Men Origins, but I'm pretty sure it's in Canada. And that's a, right. Yeah, and that's where they go to at the end of Logan. So they also, go he's pretty dumb for like being like, "Cool, there's nothing here. I'm not going to look any further." <laughs> you can't blame him. He has amnesia. Stop that. <laughs> he's handicapped literally. Yeah, but does, is he stupid? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, well, very, very, yeah, he does give that look when um after Gene reads <laughs> Nightcrawler's mind, he's like, "Strikers at Alkali Lake. What do you mean? I was already there. There's nothing there on the surface. There's a base underground." And they give they give Wolverine this reaction shot. I'm like, "Oh wow, they did that on purpose." <laughs> and then Magneto's like, <laughs> "The professor gives you much more credit than I do." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's why. Like, I feel like Hugh Jackman, as great of an actor as he is, I, I feel like they should have gone with like a five foot three, really wide, scruffy guy who's just like. Dumb and gross and weird. Do you know who was originally <laughs> cast? Really as, you know who they originally wanted Wolverine to be in the uh, late nineties? Who? Bob Hopkins. If you don't know who Bob Hopkins is, he was Mario in the original Mario and <laughs> Mario Bros. movie. He was also the main character in Who Framed Roger oh. Rabbit. See, like that's actually. <laughs> well, I mean, he's got too much, much chin. <laughs> but that's a little closer. I don't know. I mean, he's like a step above Danny DeVito, but also, do I want that? <laughs> he's a little too penguiny. See, Danny DeVito, that would have been a grit. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> oh, God. Can you imagine Danny DeVito? I can't put the knives down. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, Nah. He would just make noises the entire time, honestly. Well, I that guess that's would Wolverine. make me watch every Wolverine. I was going to say, like, I think yeah. Wolverine in every movie is always doing, like, the deep sniff thing. Like, uh, every single time. I love it. But also, I kind of... for a second. You're good, you're good. It, him using his senses is a good trick, but you kind of fall into the Daredevil 2000... I guess the same year. The Ben Affleck Daredevil thing where it's like, oh, his ears work at one point and then they don't the next. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, he's fighting... Uh, and then the next thing you know, a train runs by and he can't fight anymore. All right. Um, moving right along, I do want to hit on, or I do want to hit on Striker's plan and then Magneto, and then I have a Easter egg thing I want to talk about, and then I think we can probably end for the night. Notice we haven't talked about Cyclops because he does nothing in this movie. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> he cried at the end, kind of. I mean, he tried to cry. He, yeah, uh, that acting. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. I'm just, like the acting really, like. I, you know, even when it's like a world, oh, the world's ending, I don't care about the random people that are going to die. I care about the characters. And I just, I can't if they're not acted very well. I thought Storm, Mystique, Magneto, and uh, Professor X, and then Wolverine were good. Everybody else was pretty rough. <laughs> uh, really? You didn't like Stryker? I thought... I feel like Brian Cox is the just... The accent bothered me. That, okay. that was the thing. As, as I was... It's just... I couldn't... It was hard to pin down 
what he was, I guess. Yeah, I don't know where he's supposed to be from. I guess Kentucky. In the comics, he's just from New York like everyone else in the Marvel Universe. But I guess... He's like, I'm a scientist! <laughs> and then he's like, lock those doors. Make sure they do not go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. that No one would be thinking about that. <laughs> just... I liked when Cyclops had his little Hawkeye from Avengers episode. And he shot his laser eyes at uh, Mystique and Magneto and uh, Jean Grey. And then, oh, you know, he's the total reason for the whole place falling apart, pretty much. I guess her, I mean, him and Jean Grey at the same time. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> it's pretty much the only purpose he served powers wise to me. But again, it's just repeating the scene that they had last time, where yeah. instead it was Jean uh, versus Cyclops, and because Toad was there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they that was get... about his only purpose. Yeah. I was wanting laser tears at the end, though. The tears to come out red. <laughs> Could you out. imagine? <laughs> they burn his face a little bit. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I remember an old YouTube video, and it was like someone's like, "Here's what X Men Four would look like," and it was like, basically, it was they took the end of X Three, the last stand, I should say, and then it was just Cyclops crying the entire time, but the tears came out of his visor anytime he used his abilities. So it would just be like. He would press the button on the side, and then water would just shoot out. <laughs> and he would just go, Wah! <laughs> All right, so um, Mystique has a little side mission that I really like where she infiltrates a, a building. I don't remember where they were exactly, but I, I'm assuming it's Stryker's office, and we get a little, little twin joke. But also, uh, Lady Deathstrike makes an appearance, and we'll talk about her next, but... I do really like this scene because it's chock full of Easter eggs. I don't know if anyone else caught it, but she's on the computer and you see a whole lot of names and a whole lot of folders. Did anyone pause to see what they were said? Uh, you saw no. You saw some? Uh, wasn't Deadpool on there? Yes. Wade Wilson Wait, has a folder. Ralph Boner on there? <laughs> Sadly, no. But oh, close. There. That's funny, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph Boner. Nobody's seen uh, WandaVision? Yeah. <laughs> no, we... we... Yeah. yeah, I don't remember it. it was, it's yeah, been a hot little That's what Quicksilver ended up being. So yeah. Oh, that's right. He was just a normal guy named Ralph. Yeah, Bowler. man. And I was like, that what was a stupid, throwaway joke. idiot waste that opportunity. Really they stupid. blew that show so much. I'm so mad. At, uh, anyway. Okay, anyway, I don't want to get on that too much. I was, like, I was trying <laughs> to do a deep cut reference. Reignited his hatred for that show. <laughs> I did uh, Quicksilver did, dirty in that. post game. Yeah. yeah. And then Apocalypse, I was going to say earlier, it killed me with Quicksilver. Like, they build up Magneto being his dad, and then they never have an encounter about it at the end. Like, I think that's the thing I was most pissed off about coming out of that movie. But anyway. You know what? I used to be really mad at it, but after watching the movie so many times, and I've seen Apocalypse a lot, <laughs> I'm okay with the decision. I just hate it didn't have any payoff in the next movie. That's why I said there was nothing. And then, yeah, Dark Phoenix is just a forgotten about movie, which is better stayed that way. But Dark Phoenix... A way better movie than most of these X Men. I love Dark. Phoenix. I disagree. Oh, see now I got to bring you back for Dark Phoenix because I can. I love that movie because it, it's again it's not the best, but it, it, it like uses the X Men correctly. If I would say it yeah. just needed an extra hour added to that movie. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a <clears throat> dark blob of nothing for me. But no, but she was pink. Did you? <laughs> Oh my god! I Again, that that, that movie is almost out, completely out of my memory. I no. remember like a train scene in that movie, like the action piece, and that was really cool. But 
is I like the best trains. Part. I like trains. I can get down with that. It's the best that part the of the movie. Best, that was like the best part that I remember. But aside from that, I just remember coming out feeling like nothing about that movie. Oh man, I was in tears. I'm like, they finally got the X Men right, and it's the last one. But uh, okay, I want to talk about these Easter eggs real quick because I thought they were really cool. There was a whole bunch of them, but you guys are right. In some of the folders, they have uh, Wade Wilson has a folder which is Deadpool. Omega Red was also one, and there was also uh, Alpha, Omega, and Beta Flight, which are just Canadian X-Men teams. If you didn't know, Canada has their own little division. Um, uh, there was a whole lot of people, and there was some Avengers stuff in there as well. I think there was a S.H.I.E.L.D. folder, or, uh, or info from S.H.I.E.L.D. But um, basically, when Mystique is specifically scrolling through one of the folders and you see all the names, I picked out, I tried to get all the names that I knew. There's a few of them that I didn't catch like uh, until later on, but you know, there's a there's a character named uh, Sunfire who's a Japanese X Men who's one of who's a part of like the original like series of comic books when they rebooted in the '80s and then he died. <laughs> so we he, they recently brought him back though uh, in these newer comics and he had a fight with Storm where Storm beats the crap out of him and he just falls down a volcano. Um. But the names that they had on the folder, which is Bobby Drake, which is Iceman, Sean Cassidy, which is, or they had Cassidy with a number two beside it, but it was Sean Cassidy, who was Banshee, and then his daughter, Siren. Elizabeth Bardock, which is, uh, or Elizabeth Braddock, I should say, is a Psylocke. You had Victor Creed, which is Sabretooth. Uh, Fred Dukes, who was Blob. Angelo Esposito, which is uh, Skin from Generation X, which is Jubilee's team. Um, you also had uh, um, Gun Three with the number two beside it. I couldn't. I didn't know who the second one was. I know it's a girl, but I, I forgot her mutant name and what she did. But uh, the other Gun Three is Cannonball, who was a part of the New Mutants. Uh, he was Stranger Things guy in that movie. Um, we also have Kane Garrison, who I believe is Juggernaut. Um, Remy LeBeau, which is Gambit. Eric Linger, Magneto. Jamie Maddox, which is Multiple Man, who at some point was going to get his own movie starring James Franco until he was canceled, and then Fox was canceled. <laughs> uh, they had Maximoff, which was number two beside it, which is Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Kevin McTaggart, who is a character, again, I forgot what his ability is, but he's the son of Moira McTaggart, who becomes a very important character in the X-Men lore and universe. Yeah, Danielle Moonstar, which is Mirage. We saw her at the end, or in briefly in the last movie, and then she's the star of New Mutants. And then Aurora Monroe, which is Storm. And there's a whole lot of other names in there like I, I missed, but it, it was a nice little Easter egg city if you want to pause the movie and go back to it and just read. Just about every single character or every single folder is a reference to something in the comics, which is uh, great. I think Danger Room also had one, but uh, it was cool. All right, um... Here's what we do. We'll talk about some of these fights at the end here, and then uh, we're gonna end for the night. But um, we're in the climax here. We're in the deep snow. Uh, Magneto forms a plan to save Charles while also killing the entire human race, which is just a dick move. But like, I kind of was like, you know what? It's a good idea. <laughs> First of all, William's whole thing was just to recreate Cerebro in a abandoned prison base in Canada. So I don't know how quickly he built Cerebro or fake Cerebro. And he used, we have Jason, his son. And for some reason he can use like Jason's spinal fluid to make brain juice. And that makes people do what he says. Apparently don't know how that works when your son's ability is to create illusions, but you'll get that reference when you get further along in a certain anime. 
Oh, oh no! Actually, I'm almost done. I'm on uh the last episode of season one, so I'm about to start season two. If we're, if we're talking about the same anime, Attack on Titan. No spoilers. I get it. I can only start watching it again. Yeah, I I'm I, I don't like it still, but I'm getting further along in the story to where it's keeping my attention now. But I still think it's just speech after speech after speech after. Oh, look a giant! <laughs> and then they do more speeches. All right. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah. So Striker's whole plan is just to take his son's brain juice and then use that to keep Xavier distracted enough to make an illusion that will kill all the mutants, which is a pretty solid plan. Honestly, not gonna lie, evil, but pretty solid plan. I got it you know pretty smart better than magneto using a giant magnet to turn the world's leaders into mutants <laughs> <laughs> just you know again it, this one made logical and scientific sense <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i wrote down xander when i meant to write xavier in my notes so i'm sorry about that <laughs> i forgive you <laughs> i put xander sitting in a wheelchair facing off another guy in a wheelchair the wheelchair battles <laughs> Honestly, epic fight, but wheelchair versus wheelchair. Nice. Yeah, I could do that. I'd pull out a gun. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is very dark, but the first time when Stryker went into uh, Cerebro when they invaded the X-Mansion, uh, I was like, it'd be hilarious if like the, the vo- a voice started going off and saying, like, walking detected, walking detected. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has, like, its own security <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could just detect if somebody's walking versus wheels. It's like this isn't right. Something right. This isn't Professor X. <laughs> the plan. The panels just like f- f- like slide into him. Like just they throw themselves at him and just slice him in half. Yeah, something like that. That's what I was hoping for. But oh man. Also, can we talk about the fact that how Wolverine's claws can start a car? I did <laughs> just looking at my nose and I, he goes, yeah, did, he little... keep his, yeah. did he have to keep his claw in there or did he could he take it out? Like that was my question. I don't know how big was the ignition thing. <laughs> how big was the keel? <laughs> I thought for a second though too, maybe he was like trying to cut out the wires and like jump start it. I don't know. But I mean, no, he's like That's what I thought at first. <laughs> he stabs it and it just goes <laughs> like did he did he hit the the, the right spot? Like what he hit the G spot on the corner. I guess. She's a person. <laughs> <laughs> She's a person. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So yeah, I do like the the evil plan in this one. It makes a logic. It makes more sense than what Magneto had going on. And I do like Magneto's like side mission of like, yeah, we're gonna just turn the gun on all the humans. And again, Professor X is a really cool character. Also, really terrifying. The guy can doesn't have to do much to kill you, <laughs> and yeah. he can kill the entire world at once. So it kind of makes that scene. And I feel like this, in retrospect, makes makes his storyline in Logan much more tragic. Because like yeah. here he's using Cerebro, and then just a few years later, he wouldn't even need to use Cerebro. He could just have a seizure. Like that's horrifying. Man, I think they set up well for that later on down the line. Man, oh man, just if only someone was there to stop him that that time, Wolverine wouldn't be so alone. Well, the thing about Magneto's yeah. plan, though, was, like, did he know they were using Jason or that he could do any of that stuff? Or was he truly trying to help? Like, that's what I was confused about. Like, was he just saying, like, whatever they're going to, whatever their plan is, I'm going to try to reverse it onto humans? Like, that's, it kind of seemed like a last second Hail Mary. Um, <laughs> but I do think it was cool because, like, humans trying to kill the mutants, mutants trying to kill humans, and then X-Men just in the middle but um i don't know it just didn't seem like a very elaborate plan it just seemed like he was taking advantage of the situation you know what i agree 
I'm going to say that. I, I, I always thought that he just always had that. You know, he broke out of jail. Oh, we didn't talk about the break, the jail break. We can talk about the jail break. But he broke out of jail and it was like, you know what? Stryker did this to me. I want revenge. And then but along the way, he real, or Mystique would have probably told him what his plan was. And then he was like, well, if we're using Charles, we might as well use him correctly. Yeah. Just the way the movie went down. I guess, yeah, there could have been stuff happening behind the scenes. But like just the way it went down, the movie was just like, hey, I'm going to I'll see what I can do here. I don't know. But um, real quick, the prison, the prison break. How we how we feel about the prison break? The prison break was badass. He pulled the map a lot of dude's body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. I didn't know he could do something like. Ooh. No, yeah, that was, that was crazy. That was crazy. I didn't know Magnu could do something like that. He was flicking people with metal balls, <laughs> like they were bullets. That shit was wild. Oh man, yeah, he doesn't even need a gun, really. Not at all. No, just pulled him hose back. And then he was able to just like fly across on a little metal plate, like he was static shock, just strolling along. I I like the prison break a lot. Yeah, breaking out with just a metal ball is really cool. And I guess does it like henna? He can't pull iron out of people's bodies unless there's so much of it. Is that what that was alluding to? Yeah. So she stabs him in the ass, and apparently it's nothing but like I guess you can just absorb or can can the human body just get injected with metal? Like I know. I mean, what... I, I guess it was just like a pure form of iron, is how I was thinking about it. Like iron in the body, which has metals in it. Um, <laughs> I, I saw I a video know. like several years ago about how none of this would work, but. <laughs> was cool. I was like, did he not have like poisoning when he woke up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. that... Uh, true. I mean, maybe it was just enough for him to take, or he may have got sick a couple of days later. I don't know what the what the. Uh, symptoms are having too much iron in your blood but uh that's a badass line though there's yeah, something different uh, about you it felt almost like <laughs> a uh, sounds of the lambs type of scene at that point too or even the set like the way it was the set was built um yes and him, him being like reading the book which i like him reading the book the what was it the future the uh, man who would be future king or something like that yeah I, I can't remember but then xavier references that at the end of the movie too yeah, the whole breakout scene where he's yeah, where he's uh, saying about uh, something's different about you, and the way he was saying it with like some I guess arousal to his voice or his demeanor uh, reminded me of of Hannibal Lecter a little bit. Yeah, it's funny you should mention Hannibal Lecter because Brian Cox, the first Hannibal Lecter. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, if you ever seen the movie Manhunter, that is the first adaptation of Red Dragon, and Brian Cox played Hannibal Lecter. I did not know that. That's cool. Shelton, so you should know this. You've done two episodes with Hannibal in them. Where I did I watch that one? No, you watched the you watched the the remake, Red Dragon. But I mentioned Manhunter. Well, a lot. that's why I don't know. Oh come on! I guess people well, nowadays. I'm not gonna remember a random movie fact about a movie I've never seen from like months and months ago. <laughs> Plus, Manhunter. It's a good movie. It's it's a good first watch, but it's not my preferred Hannibal. Uh, intake. Have y'all uh, done an episode on Mind Hunter? Not yet, but it is would... definitely coming soon. So I actually put you down for that one as well. <laughs> I would love to do that. Yeah, <laughs> give me a reason to rewatch that show, please. Great, great. Oh, dude. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll. I'm gonna talk to you afterwards. <laughs> okay. Because I love Hannibal. Um, Aramis, do you have any thoughts? Any more thoughts on the prison break here? No, like I was saying earlier, I didn't know uh, Magneto could do that with the iron. 
It was a pretty cool feature to see. In fact, if you could do that the whole time, you know, <laughs> it's like, how do you get captured? Certain different things. Yeah. At that point, he's just blood bend everybody. <laughs> that was an avatar style. Well, and that's why I thought when he said there's like, you got a little extra iron in your blood thing. Like, that's what made it seem like there has to be enough iron for him to pull it out. Like, he can't do that to everybody. Is why mm-hmm. I thought they injected him in the first place. Like, it made sense, I thought. So let's run through some of these final fights because they're pretty cool. Well, aside from Gene and Scott, they just kind of fall over. But um, <laughs> Wolverine versus Lady Deathstrike. I've been trying to save this character, but we can finally talk about her. How do you guys feel about Lady Deathstrike? I want to start with you, Xander. How do you feel about this character? She's a pretty big X-Men character, I will say. She needs to cut her nails. <laughs> thought the uh, the way he killed her was pretty metal. Wow. If I still had my audio thing, I would insert just applause. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. The fight was cool. I just, I, I don't know. Something about characters like that with, with like claws and stuff. I just not crazy about it. Even like th- there's a lot of that kind of going on in Warhammer. And I just think that that stuff is kind of dumb. I don't know why. Just long claws. <laughs> I can rather you know, prefer swords or something. I don't know. Uh, I thought it was like a female version of Logan, more agile. I just thought the whole fight in general was just like gruesome. Just like straight claws and they're just healing each other. At the same time, they're feeling everything that's happening. It was just right. a crazy fight. And then at the end, how she went out, it just looked pain. It just, that fight just looked painful, truthfully. Mm-hmm. That whole fight just, it felt like trying to push a wall. <laughs> Because like you said, they're just jabbing each other over and over again. And they're, they're not going to be able to finish either of them off fast enough. So it's just like painful to watch. Especially with her because she has all the, she has five thin nails on each finger. And she gives them a good shanking a good time. Which she did. <laughs> she shanked the fuck out of him. <laughs> uh. It was a fun fight to watch though, but it was just kind of like, okay. So where is this going? <laughs> uh, I thought the whole female Wolverine thing was done better than Logan, personally. But uh, I thought that was just kind of like jammed in there at the end, it felt like. Um, going back to what we talked about originally with the special effects, I thought the adamantium coming out of her eyes was like a bad special effect in that movie, but again, of its time. Um, but as far as the fight goes, I feel like you're talking about that's a fight that could go on like forever. And yeah. so I felt like it was kind of cut short with its time frame. Like it just kind of happened. It was cool and the way it ended and everything, but it just went by in a flash. And I felt like it was kind of a, a smaller detail of the movie, in my opinion. All right. I thought it was pretty, I, I could have been a little longer, but I thought it was pretty well paced. I like, I think it, it kind of shakes the movie up a little bit because and for good and for bad, because it's where, like, this entire movie, we've been dealing with a lot of, like, I noticed this in the first movie, there's a lot of close-ups and a lot of, like, uh, just profile, just really getting to know the characters. Here, they're really, Brian Singer, I should probably say, or whoever is behind the camera, because, let's be honest, Brian Singer's probably not even on set, but uh, whoever was doing these scenes they this movie they're really using predominantly there, there's a lot of close-ups of certain items like you were saying but like there's a lot of wide shots there's a lot of just stationary of you know full head-on shots happening in this movie 
And so when we get to this fight, the, the all of a sudden the camera is just moving, and I'm like, oh, okay. And so I think that really enhanced the fight. I do like the fact that Deathstrike is just a lot more agile and a lot more, uh, I guess, Spider-Man-like. So she's climbing all over this guy. And Wolverine is just really trying to stand his ground. It does kind of remind you of Avatar. She's moving like water, and he's stuck like Earth. And I, Yeah. Yeah, I, I did like that. <laughs> I mean, I will say that, yeah, for sure. The hand-to-hand combat in that scene was cool, but... Uh, like I said, it just felt like it came and went. Like you didn't know her powers really before in the movie, or they didn't introduce that within the movie. And so when it happens, you're like, "Oh shit, a female Wolverine type of thing." And it's like, "Oh shit, they're fighting. Oh shit, she's dead." Okay, we're moving on. Like I don't know. Yeah, I do it, feel she, like she went by too quick to be like that powerful of a character. Like they did better on that in Logan with the the Bizarro Logan, I guess. Oh so, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think they made him seem more like a like a big foe and like harder to beat, and that comes with Logan being old. But still, like for her to be that powerful, um, killed her pretty easily. Yeah, and I feel like this is just definitely you know every comic book movie has that one character that's just there for the the fans. I feel like she's here for the just X Men fans. Deathstrike yeah. in the comics or Lady Deathstrike is she's still an Asian lady with really long hands. It's not that her fingers nails grow or that the claws come out of her fingernails that her hands become giant claws so she kind of looks like um like i guess mr krabs no oh uh, her hands just gonna grow like and her nails become kind of like lust from full metal like that's kind of how she is in the comics um mm-hmm. she, she does have adamantium underneath and she does have a healing factor but very different method than in this movie and i feel like this is when i thought about this when I was reminded of her origin, I thought about Xander because I'm like, oh, we're dealing with Doctor Strange level magic because that's essentially how she gets it. Like she she goes through everything kind of like Deadpool style, but the adamantium was poisoning her. And even with her healing factor, it was she wasn't strong enough. And so they had to literally go to like a, a, a sorcerer. I forgot who did it, but they went to a sorcerer. And they're the ones that, with a spell, binded the adamantium to her skeleton. And with that, they kind of, like, took away her uh, her pupils. So she kind of was like Storm. And then from then on, she just became, like, an angry, like, you know, again, assassin. Where her hands can kind of grow like Lust does in the comics. But uh, did, did we want to see magic in this movie? <laughs> I don't feel like it would have been really weird to try and pull that off. So I do like this version of the character where it's just a, another failed experiment. I do think magic would have been out of place, but yeah, I feel the, like again, she could have been a much more major type of character, and it was just kind of a very small uh, scene within a big movie. Definitely. All right, so what other fights? We talked about this fight. We talked about wheelchair versus wheelchair. Uh, Magneto, I mean, Wolverine versus Striker in a way. I mean, also a, a Mystique takes out an entire army by herself, which is great. <laughs> did like that um but wolverine denounces his father essentially and it's not necessarily a fight it's just wolverine kind of stabs him and then leaves him to die um i do have a question though so wolverine like leaves striker at the bottom of his plane and then magneto runs into striker and like sees him at the bottom of the plane and then chokes him so i'm thinking oh striker's dead then we see striker again who's like somehow chained to a building I do, and I guess Magneto took the plane 
but I I don't know how. Like we never see it. it; just didn't register to me what happened. And then I don't know. It was just a weird little side thing there. But uh, the dam is breaking, and we get all the kids out. Uh, Nightcrawler and Storm have a moment where they save Professor X, and I do love the scene because I just think it's hilarious how. <laughs> they say Professor X throw, so throughout the whole movie Professor X is just being dragged across the floor <laughs> until until they get onto the jet plane <laughs> and I'm like he's I know his legs don't work but that's just so disrespectful because you know he has on nice <laughs> shoes and they're just dragging his body <laughs> oh boy okay so um, from there they get on the plane because Rogue decides to do something <laughs> from the movie John goes off with Magneto which is a really good scene that we didn't talk about, but uh, I do like when Magneto, you know, gets John over to his side, and you know, you know, I can only manipulate the fire; I can't create it. And then Magneto's like, "Don't let, don't ever let anyone tell you you're not a god among insects." You know, that's feeding to my ego. So that's I was like, "Well, I'd join him." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, like we said, mentioned earlier, Gene decides to you know have a plot line as well and dies. Um, did you guys see the the uh, the phoenix underneath the water there? Did anyone catch it? No, I no. missed that. I missed that too. Really? When she's monologuing and you get the view of the lake? Oh, that's what that was supposed that to be. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that. I saw yeah. something in the water, but I didn't pick up on a phoenix. Yeah, it's in the shape of the phoenix. It's in the, Specifically, it's the shape of the phoenix in its space form uh, from the comics where it's a little more sporadic. It's a little more fiery. But she's underneath the water. I'm guessing Xander, you didn't get it at all. No, no, I, I knew that. All right, yeah. Um, from then we do get that uh that White House scene, which. So how was this president not like having PTSD? Oh, he had to be. How many assassination attempts went on in this movie on his life? Like that right. be so <laughs> afraid of everything. Like I was wondering too. How did the public? I wonder how they uh, received the fact that he went from talking like he did to like completely dead silent and then a random document just appears on his uh, desk like did anybody point that out i guess in that real world because well, mystique throws, or who had no what mystique it was a uh, somebody throws down documents on the table showing striker's plans yeah rogue does it just yeah rogue does sorry and yeah, not mystique and then uh just leaves it there and then the camera cuts back and he's just now it's there it must have been an ultra close-up shot of him otherwise people would have been wondering like that just appeared well, my thought was that Professor X stopped the entire world. He pulled Beyonce and just world stopped. Yeah, but I mean, cutting from one second to the next, like, documents just randomly appear <laughs> on his desk. Like, that's got to throw somebody off. Like, somebody would have to pick up on that. Yeah, I guess what, well, Stanley Tucci is in, a, is in a van somewhere. He's like, not only are there Transformers, but the mutants! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, somebody has to pick up. Even in that room, like, you would just, I feel like you would notice. Maybe you wouldn't, but I don't know. It's a yeah. nitpick again, but yeah, it's a it's a good nitpick because now I'm just like, what who what you know what uh movie Secret Service can we insert into this scene? And I'm thinking Ja Rule from uh <laughs> from Scary Movie Three, <laughs> he's like conspiracy like two, nut. Yeah, two of the Secret Service should just like looked at each other for a second, like where, where the fuck did that come from? But, <laughs> did we authorize this? <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah, like I said, that that president has to be uh just terrified for his life at all moments after this. Yeah, everyone I can't blame keeps... him for being against mutants or I mean he's just he just seems like a scared guy like he doesn't even hate mutants he's like, I don't know what's going on it seems like it's the mutants I guess I'm gonna start a war with him 
Yeah, like he sees Nightcrawler again and he does like a little like shudder, but like Nightcrawler is just like giving him the most evil smile. Smile. Yeah. <laughs> and waving at him and then Professor is like, oh, don't worry, we won't harm you. <laughs> like, what do you mean? That guy tried to kill me. <laughs> and now there's like 12 of you in my, in my, in my office. Stop sound. I did feel like it was like a uh, let's have a peace treaty while Professor X is scaring the shit out of him by stopping time and doing all that. Like you, you know, you're making power moves here, and this guy is scared to like for his life right now. So of course he's gonna go along with probably whatever you say. For real, dude. Maybe trying to be nice, but all right, all right, and that kind of brings us to the movie here. Um, I'll end on this point, though. I, I wanted to mention this earlier, but I remember listening to a podcast review of this movie, and there's a scene where uh, Mystique goes into Wolverine's, like, tent and, like, transforms into a bunch of people. And somebody was like, you know, Mystique is just, like, a bisexual's wet dream. Because <laughs> she <can> literally <laughs> go back and forth into anyone. And it's like, you know what? If she transformed mid-sex, I don't think I would even be mad. I would just be like, please. <laughs> I guess it would be every guy's dream girlfriend. I mean, she could be anybody you want her to be. I did wish there was a a camera footage of them in the tent together uh, when Mystique goes in there. But I wish like uh, Logan would have just held that over Scott's head at the end. Like just look at this. Like, <laughs> like she really loved me. I mean, she did get the last kiss with Logan, which I felt like Logan was like kind of happy about in the end in a weird way over scott he's like yeah she said she loved you but she kissed me so like scott's just <laughs> crying and he's like he she wanted you to have this together man <laughs> she didn't even really love you like she loved me <laughs> he hands he hands him like an envelope like he wanted you to have it it's just a picture of them together <laughs> yeah it's like it's like the wolverine meme of him holding yeah. like the portrait in bed that, that, that for scott basically looking at them in the tent looking on a uh... I guess they were like making fun of that scene. It was like it's not a scary movie, maybe like epic movie or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. All right. Um. So that brings us to the end of the podcast here. I mean, Jubilee makes one little cameo at the end, and then we get uh Phoenix in the water, and that's the end of the movie. X two, X Men United. Now this is the part of the podcast where we recommend or not recommend the movie. So. Canon, you can start us off. Do you recommend X2, X-Men United? I would recommend it. And like I said at uh, the beginning, I mean, I think it's a movie that's held up over time really well. Um, and has a lot of cool themes and has a little bit of everything, I guess. So, um, yeah, I would recommend it. It has good humor, too, at times, like witty humor. Uh, that's something I picked up on compared to, like, the, not to shit on them, but the Marvel humor today feels, like, kind of forced. Whereas yeah. the humor in that, I wrote down like a couple lines I can't remember, but Magneto has like a witty line coming back at Logan at one point. But uh, uh, think about him running in the tunnels by himself, something like that. But um, the humor was good in it. The action like wasn't at the forefront, but the action it did have was cool. Um, and just the whole storyline itself, I thought was uh, really well done. Good editing, good score. Uh, as we pointed out, the acting wasn't the best at all times, but uh, yeah, I would I would highly recommend it. All right, all right. Aramis, do you recommend X2, X-Men United? I do, I do. If you, uh, if you like um, superhero movies or you've uh, seen the Avengers, you ever seen X-Men, it's definitely a, a watch. You might as well watch. If you watch the first one, you might as well watch the second one. So I recommend it. All right. Shelton? Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it. I think it's a, it's a decent sequel. 
to the first. It, again, like like he said, it, it has its issues when it comes to acting, but I feel like most movies around that time had this, had similar issues when it came to acting. Hey, there, more was some, of a, there were some good There stuff. were some good ones. There's always some good ones. And there's always a bunch that kind of make the same mistakes. I think in places, too, it felt like the actors or actresses, like, I don't know, didn't take it that seriously at moments. Like, even with Halle Berry at times, I felt like she was just like, what am I doing in this? I don't know. Maybe that was just in my own head. But I feel like Halle Berry was a little bit of overacting a bit because, you know, her whole deal with these movies is that each, you know, each round, she's like, you know, I know I, know I signed a contract, but you got to give me something more to do here. You know, in the first movie, she literally has like two scenes and... Then she's just kind of like staring off in the back and she gets that one line. And then so the negotiations for this one was like, yeah, I know I signed a contract, but I need to have more to do. So they literally gave her a part, a scene partner with Jean and Nightcrawler to give her some sort of a plot. And then we'll see how far she jumps in, as, in into like the leading role in uh, the next movie. So, yeah, I feel like Halle Berry is really going after it in this movie. Yeah, but going back to like the whole purpose behind a single character, what was her big purpose at the end so Nightcrawler could get through a wall and not get stuck in it? Like that yeah. was the, the whole thing at the end. You gotta have faith. Like, I don't, I don't know, on some George Michael shit, but I, I, didn't, I, I don't know. Like, as far as at the end of the day for her character goes, I didn't really find like some huge purpose. Like, yeah, she made some twisters against two jets and they still saved the missiles. I want to say one thing real fast. I forgot to say, big yeah. thing. When the jet is about to crash, the fact that they randomly land on top of Magneto and he catches them is oh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, like I kept tough. thinking Nightcrawler should like teleport people out or something. Yeah, that would have been cool. But, yeah. but the fact that it just came down to, oh, we're going to land, I just so happened coincidentally on top of Magneto. I, that was something that really took me out in the movie when I thought about it. I was like, that's wild. See, I always thought that Magneto pulled them out of the sky. Like he's he now. Was, that's a good point. I didn't think about it like that, but like I, I thought about it. But you think it they'd up. be higher up if he did? Not if they were already falling. Like you would. Uh, well, yeah, but like they, a straight crash. You you would feel like so they would feel him grabbing it. It wouldn't be just a free fall anymore or a slow glide down. It would feel Magneto's force on it. Yeah, like they did, didn't they, they look, when she was trying to like pull it up? And she yeah, get she it. said like it's not me or something like that. Uh, ah, yeah, okay, the very, yeah. yeah. Hey, but yeah, how did they turn? How did they turn the the plane on at the end? How, well, <laughs> like, Jean's Jean decided to turn it on. I'm like, why couldn't you decide to turn it on inside? The I just want to say, the power went out. We can't get it going. Jean goes outside, lifts the plane. All of a sudden, the power is on. I'm like, <laughs> no, but she uh, turned all the switches on. Yeah, it. she turned it on. Like she gave it power. So I'm like, wait, Gene, come on now. You don't have to. You don't have to die. You yeah. literally restarted it with your own energy. Like she, at that point, she has the fire coming out of her. <laughs> well, the powers don't make sense either. She couldn't make the second second missile uh, blow up either. But then later <laughs> on, she can do like stuff like that. It's like her powers are such on like a roller coaster. So I'm saying earlier, yeah, I hate really that they made. Sister. I hate that they made the Phoenix so vague in this movie. Like, if you're gonna go for it, go for it. Do it. Let her. That's why I think they fixed it a lot in Apocalypse and in uh, Dark Phoenix, where they just let her go. Like that's how the Phoenix should be. If it if the Phoenix is a glimpse, the Phoenix is a if, if the Phoenix is a flicker, you need to let it ignite and like you need to let it go full force. And that's why I liked in the later movies where they just like finally we we're there, we're here. It's not none of this teasing shit. <laughs> oh. 
Oh, go ahead, Xander. This is your first time watching the movie, right? Go ahead. Yes. I'm kind of... I'm slightly biased, but I'm also slightly ambivalent to it. I mean... Good words. It didn't really change my feelings about the X-Men. So... I don't know. If you like the X-Men, then maybe. But if you don't, then... Yeah, probably don't watch this movie. I, I was going to ask that if, the, if this made you more interested in the X-Men, but I guess not. I guess I failed in my mission tonight. Maybe we'll get there one day. I'm, you know, I'm still, I'm not like, no, it's never going to happen. You know, I'm totally open to having my mind changed. It just hasn't been. Yeah. It's not Squirrel Girl, but you know. Squirrel Girl is the dumbest thing ever. I hate Squirrel Girl. So Why would you even bring her up, Walter? Yeah, I hate her. <laughs> she just got worse. Like she got, you know, she was okay, and then she just got even worse as the years went on. Is it worse than grape juice? Wait, hold on now. Juice. Hold on now. I like what? I like Manetta. <laughs> I do not. Welch's dude, grape juice. All he is is like a perv. I'm not sure. Yeah, but his balls—he can do so much. Yeah, with the again, ball. Her, her. Oh wait, what are you? What are y'all talking about? My hero, my hero, my hero. In oh. my hero academia, Mineta's superhero name is Grape Juice. I thought y'all were hating on the drink, and I was like, "What is wrong with y'all? Grape juice is awesome." Oh, it's literally holy in most churches. So. True, true. Oh boy. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> hey, back then, to the religious. religious yeah, thing. I was about to say, like, do we just like all carve like a, a symbol in our backs now, <laughs> like that yeah. No, that junk is whack. Oh, if I had to do it for every sin, I wouldn't have any skin left. On <laughs> yeah, and neither would he. That I just, you know, not to get into the theological point of it, but that was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Germans were that religious. I didn't. I didn't know. I don't think that they are <laughs> right now. I'm not sure, but I think that most of the EU is pretty secularized. I think they're just really political. They get into politicians more. All right. (laughs) All right. Thank you guys for joining me. It's been such a fun time talking about this movie. I've had a lot of fun. I hope you guys had a lot of fun. Aramis, Cannon, great first episode. Welcome to the podcast. Really good having you guys. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right. Yeah. Oh, speaking of plugs, do you guys want to plug yourselves? Do you want to give the audience where to find you, or if you guys have anything going on? I mean, I, I don't. I don't really have much going on in my life. Uh, <laughs> if anybody wants to play with me on Overwatch right now, I've been playing a lot of that recently. Uh, find me at Betty Boops, B W P S. No, don't really have much to plug. I mean, uh, listen to more of this podcast is all I have to say. Hey, there we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then Sheldon's, uh, Xander's awesome having you guys back as well. Uh, Xander, I know you've been on pretty, pretty frequently, so I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, man. It's always a pleasure. Don't worry. We'll get to Lord of the Rings one day. Oh, man. All right. Uh, as for everyone listening out there, thank you again for listening to this episode. I hope you've had fun listening to us talk about the X-Men. We're not done, though. Next episode, we're talking about the third film in this original trilogy, X-Men The Last Stand, a movie that is, in my opinion, overly hated. There's a lot of good in this movie. But I might have seen that one. Yeah. There's a lot of stupid in this movie as well. <laughs> but we Never get a lot of... Not, there's a lot of, lot of walls. That's all yes. Juggernaut. We get an actual Kitty Pride. We get... Uh, Beast. 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 Beast is also in this movie, yes. Dark Phoenix. 
the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on in this movie. In that one, you'll I'll probably spend the most time explaining about the background of all these movies, mainly the directors that were attached to them and why it went the way it went. Yeah, I have, a, I have another roster of people coming on for that one, but I hope to have some of you guys back, Cannon, Aramis, uh, Xander, as well as Shelton. So I know Shelton will be back, but uh, I I hope to have you guys come back again. Yeah. But after that, we'll be in June, uh, going into July, and I wanted to say now that in June, we will be talking about vampires. We're doing a whole lot of vampire movies. Um, oh. Just a lot of classic ones, a lot of my favorites. We're doing Fright Night, both the original and the remake. And then we're also doing, uh, we're going to be doing From Dust Till Dawn, a, a movie that we've been trying to do on this podcast for a while. Uh, Tarantino. So, Tarantino, yes. And then we'll also be doing uh, The Lost Boys, one of my favorite movies of all time. What better way I to talk about I knew there was no it? way you weren't going to mention The Lost Boys with that one. Oh, yeah, no, that's the first one we're doing. I, no, I think Fright Night <laughs> is what we're doing. But you, I love The Lost Boys, and it's just, it's great. It's great. You're doing uh, uh, Dracula? No, I'm not. I've seen a few of those original Dracula movies. We can wait till we're older. What about Dracula <laughs> Untold? Dracula Untold. Told. We should do Castlevania. Actually, I wouldn't mind talking about oh, Castlevania. Castlevania is uh, badass. You said Hotel Transylvania? <laughs> yeah, Hotel That's what I said. Hotel Transylvania. So, yeah, that's what we got coming up for the podcast. Uh, again, thank you for listening. I'm going to go ahead and let these guys go. And also, I'm going to go to bed because it's very late. <laughs> um, again, thank you. Can't thank you guys enough. Um, until next time, we'll catch you again on the murder board. Um, X-Men United, more like X-Men Divided. Alright guys, good night. Back a second. Did you say? Did you say that Apocalypse sucks, but that you also like it better than Logan? I like. I like watching Apocalypse because it feels more like an X Men like comic. Like the it keeps the X Men vibe. Logan is purely just like we're gonna. It, it's a western with the character, and they're just taking is, elements. Is Old Man Logan not a comic? It is a comic book, and it is it a is. road road western. It's a lot more wackier though. <laughs> like yeah. uh I know like Yeah, isn't there like a Venom dinosaur? Venom dinosaur. Hulk eats Logan and then Logan rips his way out of Hulk's intestines. Uh I the... should read that. I also hate the Hulk so you know, I just <laughs> Damn, You know what you I just, think it is? You just hate the Marvel universe. <laughs> no, that's not true. Uh are you are you recording? Cuz I think I know what it is. Yeah, I'm I'm still I'm still recording. Um I th- I think what I don't like is like when people are too overpowered for the like usually because like that's why i don't like superman um you know i just think it's boring um like 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 when uh when they're trying to escape you know at the end i'm i'm just sitting there thinking why isn't storm doing anything yeah okay that's fair you I know, literally, or the yeah. guy who freezes things. Like he couldn't try to make like an ice wall or something. Like to, you know, really? He actually does it at some point. <laughs> yeah, right. In exactly. the movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I really feel like Gene is just kind of dumb. <laughs>
I have I both have answers and then more questions, but I will say I did write in my notes, why did she just fly? And my answer to yeah. that is just that it's it's two thousand three and they didn't have the technology. <laughs> right, right. I was gonna ask, yeah. like, can't can't she fly? Yeah, she should be able this X-Men lineup, we didn't get into it when we did the first movie, but this X-Men lineup is very depowered. Like, everyone is depowered in these movies, but you'll see the yeah. leaps they jump to when we cover the last stand. Because, that, like, last stand is where they should be in the first movie. If they're, if they're adults, these characters should be, like, you know, almost Superman level. Because a lot of these characters, not... I won't say overpower, but a lot of them have mastery over what they can do. It's very My Hero Academia. Um... And so, in this movie specifically, I got frustrated with with Rogue because this movie takes place just a few months after the first. Yeah, she movie. did like nothing. But it's yeah. like, yeah, I'll yeah, shoot. I guess I can't fault it too much. I mean, we'll get into it, but like, there are characters that should be more. I think this movie needed them to be more OP, and this is why I like the later movies a lot more. Because Apocalypse, they're at the level they should be at that point in time. Like, Cyclops is new, so of course he's going to be just waving his eyes around. But Storm, if she gets a boost from Apocalypse, she's going to be throwing lightning around and t- kicking everybody's ass. Like you know. Yeah, but see, then the problem I feel like you run into is it immediately jumps to end-of-the-world scenario. You know? And yeah. I just get kind of bored with it. Well, you know, I used to say, like, I, I don't get bored with that, though. I don't know, because yeah. I, I usually don't mind if things are formulaic, if I like the formula, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think just after a while, it's like, oh, the world's ending. You know, I just don't care. I, I blame that, as far as, like, Apocalypse goes, I blame that on just that point in time. It was 2016. We just had, we're hyping up the Avengers Infinity stuff. And so everyone, we're still in that, like, it needs to be bigger, better, more. The the X Men to me the X Men traditionally just do not thrive on world ending stakes unless there is time travel involved because and that's large... the other thing is time travel man I kind of sleep on time travel too oh I love time travel but like the X Men they're very if they're not in space or time traveling they're very to themselves it's I'm like I'm trying to tell Sheldon this all the time it is literally mm. a soap opera they get into yeah. they're they're more like a black ops team like they send in they do secret missions and they come back to the school and the actual plot is them settling whatever the relationship thing is happening like why that, can the, the blackbird not outfly the standard united states fighter jets i thought that thing was supposed to be like way way fast i don't know technology but my answer is still 2003 <laughs> it's it i mean 2003 i thought i thought that was like a, a crazy experimental stealth jet thing like the uh what's what's it called what's the actual thing that it's kind of based on a scooter no <laughs> I'm just kidding. i don't remember what it's called but that was weird too and also that's not how tornadoes work but whatever <laughs> <laughs> if she can manipulate the weather the, the tornadoes it's just, we'll get yeah, yeah but like they're, they're, it's like if they... we'll get into it Okay. It's <laughs> like she can create it with her hand. Like that's No, no, that's not the problem I had. I had the, the problem I had was with the planes. <laughs> My problem was with everybody had parachutes. I'm like that's unfair. Like that's unfair. 